everybody, and welcome to episode 336 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, here to kick off another month of Spooptober. It's October, which means everything has to be horror-themed. Who else is joining me here in the mystical, magical Halloween Memorial Studio of the Airwaves? Bruh, we belong dead, Chris Antistam. <laughs> and Matthew Anti-Christopher Allen. Oh man, referencing Lars von Trier. And special guest joining us for the first time, it's... This is Adam, a.k.a. Pass Blaster. I don't have a spooky name. Oh. You don't, but you have, you have a, a, a arcade podcast coming soon, right? I do, yeah, we do. Uh, Padukin is going to be Padukin. hopefully launching soon here on uh, Laser Time. Yeah, awesome. and Padukin's more arcade focused, so in this... Uh, hastily put together show with a lot of technical errors as I try and run away to Iceland, <laughs> which is all real. We're like, Adam, can we? Are there actually scary arcade games? Yeah. And I ask you that, and you're like, Well, that's that's subjective. What's scary? Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> well, yeah. You sort of made the point that like they can't make a thing truly scary and then expect to get quarters dumped into it. Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely horror related. Um arcade games, but they're not going to make as much money as, as, you know, a 10-foot-tall Pac-Man machine. It's just not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> I would probably spend more money on the horror games, but most people won't. Yeah, yeah. like this whole, I guess that's why they never became quite the beacon for controversy, because it was actually, I don't know, a little more difficult to, like, what what is a horror game? Is, like, all the blood, the blood controversy came from a fighting game, not a horror game. That well, seems there, strange. There was some <laughs> horror games before, you know, Mortal Kombat. You had games like Chiller, which not a lot of people... Ugh. Yes. It's not a great game, but I mean, you're literally murdering and torturing people in that game. <laughs> yeah, in MS Paint, and like, Pre- yeah, yeah. What, it's, watching it's a, like a, long plays of Chiller now, it's like, what the fuck was with the people who made this? Like, it doesn't even qualify as horror. And I remember like getting it because I saw an ad in GamePro, like right away for your copy of Chiller. It has arcade quality graphics, and like <laughs> tellingly, they showed none of these graphics in the ad. Right. And then when I got it, it's like, oh, I, it meant arcade quality graphics from like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred era, like yeah, yeah. Much, yeah. when games looked like shit. It, it meant print shop <laughs> graphics from that local arcade. You know, the, the word arcade, like literally shopping mall down mm-hmm. down the road. It yeah, was really bad. Chiller's rough, man. Like you know, there's an NES port, and it's pretty faithful to the arcade, but it's that's not saying much. great. Yeah, <laughs> it still it still is. Let me just say a disgrace for 1986 visually. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty rough to look at. Yeah, but it's got but tits sorry. and gore. It does. <laughs> that is a ticket I can vote for. Yeah, that tits be, and that gore. Be but my, uh, he would have got uh, a lot further in that election. <laughs> just That'll be my nickname on the next one. Is uh, Adam, a.k.a. Tits and Gore. Tits and Gore. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of Lieberman. Just it, It's now the Gore and Tits ticket. There you go. <laughs> uh, what, what, what is our subject today, Michael? So, as, as you said, horror-themed arcade games. We have an arcade expert here, and I've spent some time digging into the sordid, sordid past of arcade history, back from when arcades were actually relevant. Before parents' groups even really noticed what was going on in arcades, some of these came out and they didn't make a huge splash but they they all had one thing in common a very macabre theme and like you said none of them are really scary but they all kind of have that that horror theme where you're whether you're shooting zombies or fighting ghosts or whatever I think there's something inherent to the video game medium, though. So I have admitted on probably this show and several Laser Time shows, I am something of a horror wuss. I hate horror movies. I've never been able to watch them ever since my neighbor took me to a horror drive-thru movie when I was six to see... 
Which one is the Living Dead where the teenagers are dancing in the graveyard? Is that yeah, Return, Return of the Living Dead? Return of the Living Dead. So ever since then, I've been terrified, but I've always been able to play horror video games, no problem. And I think what it is, is for the most part, you have control. Like the whole thing with horror is you lose control, right? You're, you're giving over control to something. Whereas mm-hmm. with video games, it's like, well, if it gets too bad, for the most part, there are some games like Outlast or whatever that they don't give you a weapon. But for the most part in video games, it's like, yes, you're being chased by zombies, but you have a shotgun. Now use it, you know? Right. And so for me, they've never, there've been jump scares in some games, you know, like Five Nights at Freddy's or even in like early Resident Evil. But other than that, they don't, the horror in games doesn't work on the same level. And especially the kind of horror that works sometimes is like disturbing horror and you're never going to get that in arcades because nope. arcades are not they can't take the time to do that you know you're, you're yeah. going to say like like the uh Matt, I think all these horror arcade games are safe for you. Like, they wouldn't really scare someone who <laughs> no. didn't like horror. But yeah. I, you know, I think if you're breaking down the essence of it, like, kind of the horror depends on a lack of agency, whereas games depend on a lot of it. Yes, right? exactly. It, yes, these these games are all MCASRB approved by Matthew but we, we, dis- we discussed it briefly, and I think Adam had the same thought I did about the... The biggest game I see played in like a new arcade game is the, one of the Walking Dead game. Like yeah. kids fucking love that, and they're right because it is it's fun. I don't know if it's it how fun it is or isn't, but like that crossbow, just having a crossbow you can pretend to load, yeah, is like enhances everything. It's like it's I haven't had an experience like that since fucking Time Crisis. Well, my, mm. my thing with with games like that is I think we talked about this on mm. a, on a previous episode of Laser Time was mm. that game would suck if you didn't have that crossbow. Yeah, that's. The game itself isn't, and I'm not knocking it. I played it. I enjoy it. But yeah. if I didn't have that in my hands, it wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, even even when it does try and, like, it still shies away from actually scaring you. Like, yeah. there's plenty I mean, of moments for jump scares, and it still tries not to do that. They're, yeah. they're like, Dreamcast-era like jump scares. Oh, not, I think we'll be like, talking about some. We will be. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a bit like that game where you have to stick your fingers up the dude's ass in Japan. Without that Bunga Bunga? aspect of it, that game is just trash. <laughs> but, you know, it's when, when you have it there in front of you, it really makes the mm. game. That game's mascot was a poop emoji before we had yeah, emojis. Yeah, yeah. They have they have long plays of that on YouTube. You can look it up and and it was just without the context of the giant finger shaped controller. Uh, it's it's or, just, or the gelatinous ass. Yeah, like, you're, uh, you're just Chris, like Chris. looking at someone's face and then they just like scream in this cartoonish way and then they like calm down and then like a little meter spins around a, a poop and then it decides something so, and you lose. Chris, it, it was before we had poop emoji voiced by Patrick Stewart. That's how uh, far we've come as a species. Yes, engage. <laughs> <laughs> well, very few of these are, are that clearly gimmick-based. Again, these these are all a bit older. It's, it's much more difficult to grab sounds from more current, relevant, exciting arcade games. But yeah, we will we will jump into... Arcade Horror, right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Like, I just saw the TV movie of It. For the first time, like a few years ago, never seen it a before. TV movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you obviously didn't rent it when it was on VH, like two giant VHSs, because it was it's really long. It was aired over two nights in like 1990, and that's why it's like it, it's 
at some at times it's like a really straight horror movie, then other times it like really pulls its punches because it's airing on like ABC or some shit. And yeah, that, no, yeah, that's where I would always watch it. It would just play on cable TV. Yeah, and 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 I saw that, and I was and and I was like, I really like this, except for the adult parts. Why is that there? <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah. So when I found out they were splitting the movie in two to the adult parts, I'm like, that's a terrible idea because like this is. This is the dumbest part about the entire story outside of yeah, the, the kid that, orgy it, in the book. Yeah, so watching chapter two, I mean, I like Bill Hader, yeah. <laughs> but the pacing sometimes felt off, and it wasn't really scary. Oh, and, le- and let me say this. I walked out of that movie and still think I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I had a great time. Oh, yeah. I, I grabbed no, I mean, my like, friend's arm, his, his son's arm. We had a great fucking time. But, when I, but I also, on further reflection, I'm like, was that terrible and was that a horror movie? <laughs> it was and not good. It was fun. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. And we're back to talk about what? Horror, horror arcade, arcade games. Arcade. Arcade. <laughs> Let's just jump in with... Number five. It is. I hate this. <laughs> I don't know if it's the recording you grabbed or if that's the actual game, but I can actually hear sound channels taking over yes, for each that's, other. That's and, the actual game. That's how old that arcade game is, that it doesn't yeah. have dedicated sound channels for effects and music. Uh, what Yikes. is it? Ghosts and Goblins. Ghosts and Goblins, and it's far superior sequel, Ghouls and Ghosts. And it's pretty fucking cool, still lost on the PSP sequel, Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah. God damn it. There's only been three, techni- technically three, three of these games. Well, three or four? Um, I mean, the there, Super Ghouls? There's Super Ghouls. Ghosts Super Ghouls and Ghosts, yeah. I think there's four. Okay, yeah. then that would make it four, I guess. Well, and then if you count the Demons, what, Demons Crest series? Which I don't. But it's, it's, like it's free to play on Switch, and it's awesome. It's a really good Halloween game. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's spooky, side-scrolling horror at its finest and most punishingly difficult. Like, if you think Dark Souls is tough, try yeah. try finishing Ghosts and Goblins and then realizing at the end that it's going to boot you straight back to the beginning because it's just that kind of game. And it, you won't, can't challenge the final boss until you've gone through it twice. That's the most horrific thing of all about the game. <laughs> yep. Because really, that's, that's, that's what's weird. We were talking like, should this qualify? And then when you when we look at the enemies and, we're, and stuff, we're like, well, absolutely. On paper, this is a horror theme. It just it's an action game at heart, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, but it if you look at the the creatures, they're grotesque, like the zombies coming out of the ground and stuff like that. But it's just this game has never to me ever felt like a horror game, though. It always just you know it felt like a an action night game it wasn't scary to you when you brushed against a zombie and your armor came off and you were left running around in your heart boxers or or when you got touched again and you turned into a skeleton the spookiest creature of all i think that took the edge off seeing those heart boxers it's just adorable Mm -hmm. it's still it's still ghosts and goblins is synonymous with me with a nightmare and that includes waking up nude and that includes (laughs) the completely patternless enemies and this unstoppable errors and just it is it is horror in that i dread it and i i love it at the same time but i, I like when i was working on one of the capcom collections 
It, it, it did look stunning in 1985 oh, compared yeah. to games that came out in 1985. Absolutely. And especially if you compare it to the NES version, like the NES mm-hmm. version looks like monochrome shit next to it. <laughs> like there's no, I mean, there's no shading. There's like everything's just flat colors and you don't quite get the same majesty in the music. Oh yeah, listen to that shit. arcade board Oof. pushed to its limits. Yeah, this is the one that says when you when you do finish it, it says congratulations. Yes, yes, um, yes. Love this game. Yeah. Uh, nope, it's the opposite actually. But I, I do. <laughs> I, I don't know. I love. I can love it from a distance because it is sort of my favorite kind of horror, and that's just the classic slash kid friendly. I yeah. love Universal mm-hmm. Monster movies. I love fucking Great Pumpkin, and I think a kid can easily sit down with Ghosts and Goblins and not be bothered for a second. No, but but yeah. instead is is literally beating up Satan, fighting yes. through zombies and and uh, all sorts of monsters. I, I love that about it. Yeah, I think I think if if you're comparing it with other action games, like the creature design in like Contra is way more grotesque than this game. But this yeah. game is technically more of a horror game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there I think there there were grosser like. <laughs> Shmups, let's say. Yeah, I know people mm-hmm. hate that. Uh, but yeah, there were yeah, Abidox and Life Force all inside bodies and shit. And oh like, yeah, pretty gross. But there was nothing really gross about. It. It's all safe for elementary school. For the yeah. most yeah. part, I mean, you yeah. know, unless you're one of those weirdos who thinks throwing lances at demons is a bad thing for kids to experience. Is this one of those that when it made the the port across the the, the pond that they had to remove religious imagery from? I'm assuming um, I not think overt so. religious imagery, but there are some things like, for example, in the sequel, Ghouls and Ghosts. Here's some great arcade boss fights. So the last the last enemy is like this fiery creature that the the arcade version calls Lucifer. In the Genesis home port, the name was changed to Loki. So they they're trying to avoid the uh, <laughs> You're not actually fighting pantheon. the devil. Yeah, they just changed pantheons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares if you're fighting Loki. <laughs> Now they would. We all played God of War. We know what's up. We've all seen the Avengers. Yeah. We know who Loki is. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone no, loves Loki thing. now. It's the dope thing about Loki. You can make a Loki game right now, and Marvel can't do shit. Go nuts, kids. Mm-hmm. You can low-key make a Loki game. Yeah. And no, high-key make that shit. Well, <laughs> was, loud. Wasn't there like a little Thor game that came out around the same time as the movie, and it's like, ah, public domain character, what are you going to do? No, there's a, there's a Thor game for like the fucking Amiga, and like, dude, it just looks like Marvel's Thor, mm. and it's not in any way licensed by Marvel. Mm. I heard that totally as confused. Little Thor, which is adorable, and they need to make that shit ASAP. No, I said it as Little Thor. That's what it's Oh, it's, it's it, it is literally like an, an asterisk Thor. looking little Thor. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> I hope we can still get a fat version. Yeah, probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this game deserves to be on the list, part, partly because there's like there's not a lot of games that had similar imagery in arcades at the time, but also because like I think it has really big cultural impact in terms of video yeah. game design. I think it influenced a lot of games. It itself gave us some of the the best games on the Super NES, like Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Demon's Crest, and it, it continues to kind of influence retro throwbacks. Like there's a game called Maldita Castilla that is basically just medieval spanish ghouls and ghosts which is Ooh. pretty cool and i recommend it on xbox so yeah yeah I'm, I'm having trouble thinking why i mean other than maybe it was just the first of its kind but like this game is remembered and is is this like this classic but i don't i have i would have a hard time finding anyone who really has fond memories of this game most me- yeah. most people i talk to just are 
super frustrated memories of this game, but it but it's it's well, regarded I, I, as a classic. I have a, I have a lovely story because I worked at Capcom for a little while, and we were. I think Brett had the idea to have like a live speed run contest for Ghosts and Goblins with an arcade and to win an arcade stick that you're playing on. And so we're fooling around with it and like, you know, we're giggling, we laugh and it's just, we don't, we don't know the game very well. We, the NES one was our first one. And then just like something about the music brought the older folks out of accounting and like <laughs> the other areas of Capcom who have never had a discussion with, with games before. And they had all the stories about mm. how ghosts and goblins was like life changing. Like wow. when you, if you yeah. were, if you were about nine in 1985, nine to 15, 1985, like it, it like seriously, like you, you couldn't really see characters faces at that point. Like, yeah. and you have this, yeah. this little guy and you can make out every detail of him down to his boxers. Chained Those weapons. boxers have hearts on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I only saw this out in the wild maybe one time because yeah by the by the time I was old enough to kind of be in arcades remembering it was sort of long you know it it wasn't popular anymore. yeah its day was gone yeah and it's it's also a shame just because it's it's one of a few Capcom horror properties that like only gets to gets to a time in the spotlight when they're fighting Marvel characters and it's just a total bummer because I don't know I wish I wish there were more classic horror games to play around Halloween. Mm. I, I really thought Maximo would be this like nice revival uh, of this franchise, and it just—I don't know. I feel like Maximo was successful. We just didn't see many sequels. It got me. Did it get one sequel? It or got two? one sequel. Yeah, yeah. The Army of I don't know. Zin, I think, and where it's like instead of monsters, you're fighting Clockwork Knights or whatever. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Clockwork Knight for the Saturn. Mm-hmm. That's that's a scary game. <laughs> that is truly <laughs> <that's> like, <laughs> frightening. Never got an arcade version, as far as I know. Is there anything got, about the arcade version of this game, Adam, that's particularly noteworthy? Yeah, so so something that, that's kind of cool about this is uh, there never was uh, a perfect port of the arcade game released on any console before. And uh, I'm not sure how, how into retro stuff you guys are, but there's a new product out called the Mr. FPGA. Mm-hmm. And basically, I've used yours. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an amazing product that basically what it does is it emulates hardware um, and then it also runs the the software via you know SD card or something like that. But basically, the Mr. FPGA, there's a core out now that perfectly replicates this board. So because of that, you have Ooh. more people learning the game and speed running the game. Okay. And I have a I have a, a buddy on Twitch. His name is Aquas. It's A Q U A S. He goes to the AGDQ stuff and and you know flies through these games and and he speed runs pretty much all the Ghosts and Goblins games uh, regularly on his Twitch channel. And, it it makes you feel bad because it just shows you how bad you suck at the game. Right, it's all like I didn't even know this level existed. Yeah, and but what's <laughs> cool about it is he's been showing that there's a lot of like bugs in the game that you can like kind of like walk through level like the middle of the level and avoid a lot of the enemies and things like that. Huh. But that's um, that's the thing about the fucking Red Aramur though. Yeah, just like I have never seen such an iconic game character that has no laws. Yeah, there are no rules. He could walk through stone, disappear through the floor, and the ceiling has no set patterns. Yeah, he just it's... literally walks across the screen in any direction at any time. That's what yeah. you see a lot when when these people are running through these games. You, you'll see them basically kind of inch forward in certain spots to try to predict the pattern that, that they're going to take. And, and just, a lot of so, just so you know, we asked the Red Aramur from Ghosts and Goblins is not Firebrand. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah it looks a lot like but him. But it's just not him, apparently. I think, isn't mm. it that Firebrand is a Red Aramur, but Red Aramur is like a species? Yeah. Yeah. But that's, 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 <laughs> but that's what we got. But then, like, why can't they all just be Firebrand? Like, just, just no, say it's, know. just say it's Firebrand. Yeah, he's always like, coming back, like Karnov. Yeah. 
Mm. <laughs> you have you have a recognizable red Aramur. I, I don't think you could depend on uh, this distinction making it throughout time, <laughs> especially when you don't release a game since two thousand three yeah. or six. Yeah. When was it? I forget. Was this was this Capcom's first big arcade hit though? Like, I don't believe so. No, um, because the, the nineteen forty two game was out. That was that mm. was pretty big. Yeah, nineteen forty two, and I think this game actually share. I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they they share similar arcade hardware. Mm. I'm just not sure which one came. Are these first. the self detonating Capcom arcade hardware? No, th- this is pre <laughs> this is pre CPS one. This is like their their earlier uh, jam. I, I don't even know if it's jam. It might be pre jama arcade boards. Um, I do have a, a one friend over in Jacksonville that has an actual Ghosts and Goblins board mm, and cabinet, wow. and it's it's amazing. Yeah, the, the the art is so wonderful. It's yeah, and he he did the full nine, the the side art and the marquee and everything, and it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, I was trying, like I think I was digging deep into like the Ducktales covers, and there was like a Famicom Ghosts and Goblins Ducktales parody art that someone had awesome pitched in like '87 for the game, <laughs> and I'm like, this needs to see the light of day. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I have more fondness for the character Arthur, I think, than. The game itself. You can play Marvel I just, three. Right. Was there? Am I remembering correctly? Was there a Nintendo Power comic arc involving Arthur and Howard and Nestor back huh. in the day? Um, I, I don't, don't know. know. I think that I think it sounds that, right, but I, don't I think know. the port predates yeah, Nintendo Power. You, you might be thinking of Adventures of Game Pro, which I think ventured into Ghosts and Goblins land. Mm. Whatever. I just remember like a payoff of like. The character, he, so it's like the premise is this guy teams up with these video game characters in their games and like the lead character of the game died and the guy was all sad and then he came back like in the next panel because he's like, yeah, that's how things work in this world. I can, I have more than one life. And I was like, ah, that's kind of clever as a kid. That's all I remember. I don't know. Just random memory. Hmm. I'm probably making that shit up. Yeah. But I think, I think uh, if, if you had the patience for Ghosts and Goblins or any of its sequels, it's like. The the real reward of this game was being able to actually finish it and see the ending because that that shit was tough and especially like yeah. wa- watching a playthrough of uh, Ghouls and Ghosts again and realizing that like yeah you get to like the door that leads to the final boss and like God shows up and says like no you're not powerful enough no it's it's Saint Michael that's right it says in the in the the epilogue <laughs> that it's Saint Michael that shows up tells you you need to go back to the village and seek the power of the goddess so he sends you back all the way back to the very first level and you have they to couldn't even couldn't even afford saint peter fucking yeah, low yeah. budget game uh you have to, you have to crack open a chest that has a goddess in it and she will give you like this this giant fireball that can defeat the final boss and you have to play through the entire game not losing this fireball every other uh gng game is more forgiving than the first mm-hmm but it, it 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 does end up becoming a game of you get a powerful suit or powerful weapon, and if you get hit, you lose it. So it just becomes a game, just don't get hit. Yep. Yep. Do not Adam, get do hit you, ever. Do you know about how they test stuff like that? Because obviously, you know, the whole thing with arcades is to get quarters out of people. Is there difficulty testing that goes on with these machines? And like when they market test it, they say, oh, this was too hard. Like would they ever say it was too hard or is it only this is too easy? It's not producing enough quarters. We need to amp up the difficulty. The the problem with these early games is there, there's really not a lot of, of that known. So you, you have, mm. you know, a, a lot of these old Japanese games, you don't really know if they QA. I'm sure they had some form of, of QA, right. but... You know, they, they people play the game so many times that they just breeze through it eventually. There are, there are like I think even like my Simpsons port, like the Japanese ROM is innately harder than the U.S. ROM. Yeah, the Japanese don't really care. But it also, I, I really, in talking to the older folks who played it, like since it looks so good and everything looks so different, and there were weirdo bosses, there was a reason to not be upset 
when you died over and over again because like everything everything you saw was insanely different. Arcade games weren't like that. You had boards yeah. that like changed the color of the outline of the the screen, and that was it. So it was it was a really exciting game in 1985. Yeah, yeah there, there's also a lot of games too that have difficulty settings. So like as an operator, you can choose. I want this to be ridiculously hard to make as much money as possible, or I want this person to play. So ideally, back then, the longer somebody plays on a quarter, the the you know you make yeah. less yeah. money. But at the same so you time, it to I would be as hard I, as possible. I would imagine it's a balancing act because like yeah. like you were saying, you know, you want them to keep pumping in quarters, but you want to make it just easy enough. That mm-hmm. they keep feeling like they're rewarded for pumping in those quarters. Like they're always going to mm-hmm. see something new and interesting. And I, I wouldn't just because how many bad games I endured on the NES just like so <laughs> angry because I didn't have a lot of options. And if you think of the arcade games, here's this new, shiny, amazing thing with all these visuals I can't even comprehend right now. And all this in these five other games I've played to death. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're, you're going to endure all these, uh, this unfair dying and this, this brutal difficulty. There's not a lot to do. Call this the cynic in me, but I'm guessing that by the 90s, there had to have been a formula or some like benchmark industry standard of like dollars per minute the games produce. Like, I have to believe they were like, oh, yeah, unless this game's pumping through X amount of quarters in a certain amount of time, it's not even worth carrying. Is, is anything like that, like a kind of a known industry fact? I'm just pumping Adam for all this info right now on arcades. Well, it, it, there's really no answer to that. So no I, universal ideally, standard, I would imagine. I, ideally, yeah. I mean, you, you would have, you know, we, my, my business partner and I, we buy a lot of arcade games that have been sitting in warehouses. And sometimes you'll talk to the operators, and if a game made them no money, it literally they'll sell to you for 20 bucks, a full arcade or a pinball wow. machine. Oh. If a game mm-hmm. made them money back in the day, they remember it, and they want way more money for <laughs> wow. it. Wow. So, you know, we, we've gotten Popeye pinball machines for 200 bucks, whereas a fun house is, no, no, that one's $2,000. You know, it... It really depends huh. on, on that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, games like, like Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat, every, anywhere you put that thing, it would make money. More, you know, games, as they got older, they made less money, so you'd see them go from 50 cents to a quarter. To a try puppy to... abortion clinic. This thing <laughs> prints money. <laughs> I just... <laughs> but, no, there's really I, – I, I wish there was more information about, you know – you know, ideally we want to make you know fifty dollars a day, whatever it was. You know, but there, there's really, as far as I know, I have no idea. How yeah, when I when that. I would occasionally comb through like arcade promotional VHSs, mm-hmm. they mention settings. You can set the difficulty, and they don't say outright to make more money. They right. don't. They never express that. But that's what it's there for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And but but also like you know, I remember we had like a putt putt, and they I think they prided themselves in being like pretty friendly and would like never raise the price of anything. Right. Like uh, throughout. The generations that it stood there. If this was a quarter, it'll always be a quarter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because it needed the vibe. It needed to have a bunch of fucking games around it. There's always always going to be four or five games that people will just show up and dump everything into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not have some fun stuff on the side? All right. Well, speaking of fun stuff on the side, let's move on to number four. Okay, that I wasn't sure, but is this Mario Racquetball that sounded the yes, end? Yes, it is Mario <laughs> yeah, Racquetball, yeah. the famous horror game from arcades. <laughs> I buy it. that. Is that bad? I mean, there's a there's a <laughs> Mario horror game coming out this oh, month, Luigi's right. Mansion, and I couldn't be oh. excited. I thought you were going to say Mario Two when Fanto uh, chases you because that shit that's is pretty horrifying. horrifying. Yeah, that is yeah. horrifying. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you another hint. Here's one of the more infamous bosses from this game. I know, I know. Is right. this Splatterhouse? This is Splatterhouse. 
The house I heard splatters. fake chainsaw sawing, mm-hmm. buzzsaw noises. Yeah, that that yeah. is Biggie Man, the giant boss with the bag on his head and the chainsaws for hands. This is this is a game I always wanted to get more into, but I, again, I found this to be particularly brutal and the Turbo Graphics port not any easier. Yeah, no, it was, I, it was super brutal. And for me, like I I barely even realized this was an arcade game. I, I only really became aware of it when I got home ports. If you were to look at this in an arcade, it's like, oh, look, it's Jason from Friday the 13th, and he's fighting a bunch of weird alien creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always speculated that, like, this game didn't... This game seems like it should have set off a lot of red flags. Oh, yeah. Tons. For parents. But but it didn't because it it wasn't until the game came into people's homes that people really started to get upset about mm-hmm. what was happening in arcades. Same and, exact thing as Mortal Kombat. Yeah. No one cared when it was in an arcade, but as soon as you could buy it. As soon as you saw it, it on the TV screen, you watched Johnny Carson <laughs> on every night. <laughs> and him making gay rape jokes for the people. <laughs> Disgracing the screen that shows that. Um, Isn't that more of a Norm MacDonald thing? No, that's kind of a Johnny Carson oh, thing. Wow, Two okay. guys named Bruce. Mm. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, but yeah, uh, I remember when I when I first played Splatterhouse, I was a little disappointed actually because I was used to like belt scrolling brawlers, like the kind where you could like walk up and down, and so this was just purely two D side to side. You're you're slow moving, yeah. and you just you're just punching monsters over and over. Sometimes you'll find like a weapon. In the background, like, you can pick up a 2x4 or, like, a single-use harpoon that you can throw. Or maybe you'll get really lucky and find a shotgun. But just co- compared to Arthur, like, you move so slow oh, yeah, and you're yeah. so incapable and your reach fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. I Like, I'm not sure. I've always wanted to love this game. I figure, I always figured there'd be one year I just dig into it and finish it. And I still haven't been compelled to do that. Is it worth? Has anybody? Th- is it worth doing? Is Splatter so, so it, another one of my buddies who streams, um, mm-hmm. he actually took the time to learn how to one CC this game. Um, one basically, CC? one quarter, mm-hmm. uh, one credit clear. So basically, ah. one quarter he can beat the whole game and not die. Whoa! And uh, it's I, I actually I'm lucky enough to own this arcade board, and it is very very hard. So it's it's a time commitment to get through it. But yes, it's very slow. It's very sluggish. <laughs> it's it's a very unique game. In no, that it's, sense. it seems like. But what the game I wanted, what my parents thought all video games were. Right, exactly. And, <laughs> yeah, th- this is like the game that your mom hates. You mm-hmm. know, because it because you actually are murdering things and, and stabbing yeah, yeah. monsters and all that kind of stuff. Well, didn't I say like it came to the Wii Virtual Console and it was like this is the first game rated M retroactively for a Virtual Console. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. I think Chiller can't. I mean, I don't think Chiller had a rating, obviously, because it was unlicensed on NES. Yeah. But that game came out before Splatterhouse. But I'm pretty sure Splatterhouse was the first game like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think Splatterhouse was like the best Friday the Thirteenth game we had mm-hmm. up until the one from a few years ago. Because like, let's. I mean, dude, you are Jason. You got the jumpsuit and everything. Although the plot is yeah. oddly more like Jim Carrey's The Mask. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that it's like, well, this this teenager gets beat up by monsters and his girlfriend is stolen. And then so this magic mask finds him and gives him the power that he needs to fight back. What polite yeah. monsters? They just beat him up. Yeah, well, maybe maybe they kill him. Like the, the intro to this game is just a corpse or a body lying there. And then the mask floats onto it and it becomes the, the main character whose, mm. whose name I'm forgetting. It's like Zack or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, he gets up and goes smoking. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you you fight the last boss by becoming Cuban Pete. <laughs> <laughs> boom, chicken, boom. <laughs> I had a friend in high school who absolutely adored Splatterhouse, and his main reason was that like this is basically an unlicensed Evil Dead game, 
where like yeah, there's that yeah, that's fair. that boss where like the the contents of a room there's like a poltergeist and like things just start uh, the furniture starts flying and attacking you and mm-hmm. you have to to punch at it. It's like, well, that's like a scene in in Evil Dead 2 and spoilers for Splatterhouse this ancient game. You have to kill your girlfriend at the end of it, just like happens in Evil Dead. Evil Dead 2, wow. specifically. But, I actually didn't know that. <laughs> but maybe you can figure out what she's saying in this thing before she turns into a monster. I mean, it's really, really good quality audio. <laughs> An arcade game Sounds from like the late Rita 80s. from uh, Power Rangers opening. Mm-hmm. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> I just heard her doing that. quarters you She just doing that disco sound like, boop, 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 boop. Feminine voice. Blah. <laughs> Wait, we'll get to that one. Eh, maybe we will. <laughs> but yeah, and, and like a bun- bunch of cool little kind of semi-secret things in this. Like there's one level that has like a bunch of holes that you might just jump over. But if you were to fall into one, you might find yourself in a really gross pit fighting a bunch of giant carnivorous worms from Slither. <laughs> I, I really, I, I do want to give it compliment because it, it always, back when I used to put game music in every fucking podcast we did, it, it does have like the 80s horror equivalent soundtrack where it's mm-hmm. it's using the best synthetic instruments that a very low budget production has access to and kind of just bending them to make a, a sound that's jar- constantly jarring. Yeah, it's it's a very jarring game in general. And I've always wanted to play the remake. It's one of those one of the few Xbox 360 games I don't uh, have in a box out man, here. Man, I, I I recently took another run at that, and then I was like, man, this is so much fun. Why'd I ever stop playing it? Oh, because the checkpointing absolutely sucks ass. Mm. That's why <laughs> it's kind of a difficult game to play. But that was that was it. it that 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 big but I don't know why you'd give this game a big budget remake I guess because you're Namco and yeah, what else it, are you going to do after Pac-Man it's a recognizable name it, I mean it got several it, sequels it, in the day it was yeah well where do where those sequels come were they were they arcade games or are they home ports they're uh, on Sega Genesis yeah okay two and okay. three yeah two and three are on Sega okay so there's only like one arcade proper Splatterhouse yes okay mm. and for some now reason it's it's just forever tied with the Turbo Graphics. Or the PC engine in a lot of people's minds, because it was yeah. it was a close to arcade perfect port. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess I guess like I was like, well, man, why did they choose the Genesis? I, I yeah, I imagine it'd be kind of hard to get Splatterhouse on a Nintendo system in the early nineties, yeah. late eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in any way with any cuts. Yeah, and it's it's also kind of weird, like trying to watch playthroughs of it, like. The really good players will just play in the most boring way possible, which is like they'll just crouch and do a bunch of jump kicks in a crouching position. And it's like, oh, it's because you don't want to use your weapons up. You just Welcome to the world of uh, learning how to 1cc arcade games. Ah, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get your value out of that quarter, man. Absolutely. Well, speaking of a game that really gives you your money's worth for quarters, I don't know where I'm going with this. But anyway. Number three. <laughs> Welcome to the haunted house. It's a ghoul who lost her head. If you'd like to stay and join us, you're always welcome, alive or dead. <laughs> uh, it's Dave Rudden's favorite game. What is this? Carnival? Carnival! 
Carnival. Yes. <laughs> I, I, there was a distinct lack of circus music in that clip, Michael. Come on. Oh, there was tons of circus music. You're just not That wasn't circusy enough. Hmm. Well, how about if I uh, add in some sound effects of clowns getting massacred? <laughs> <laughs> Much better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, this this game has visually aged kind of poorly, but I, I think what makes it really fun and unique is, like, once you get past the, the very first level, which is just, like, standard zombies, haunted house stuff, it starts to get really weird. And, like, you go into a Christmas-themed amusement park area for some reason, and you're, you keep getting swarmed by elves, and the boss is, like... This blue-suited Santa with antlers, who they call Krampus. Yeah, yeah. Kr- Krampus, like the real character, not character, I mean, but mythological being, Krampus. Sort of. I guess this was before, like Krampus. I'm, sh- I'm sure. Got if you see a blue US, Santa, if yeah. you see a blue Santa, he was always originally named Hanukkah Harry. <laughs> 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 Always. Yeah, yeah. But there, there is a, a legend behind this. In a cemetery somewhere in Iowa is the grave of Ludwig von Tokentaker, which is a very on-the-nose name if I ever heard one. That's my stoner name. Mm-hmm. You, you have to put a giant token into the mouth of a stone skull in a jester cap, and then the carnival will spring to life. Or you know what? I'll just let the game explain. When the moon is full and trees are bare, Walk through the cemetery if you dare, where skeletons rot and corpses fester. Locate the tomb with the skull of a jester. Feed him the token all shiny and new. It is then that Carnival will return for you. This is like the one Midway game that never got a home port of any kind for whatever reason. Uh, well, I think light gun games weren't in vogue when this yeah. thing came out, right? Yeah, they were, they were kind of declining, and I think this was also sort of special in that, like, it didn't give you a pistol or anything like that. It gave you, like, a shotgun that you had to rack by hand. Like, that was your reload. You weren't just shooting away from the screen. That must have been a nightmare to maintain, too. Oh, I'm sure. Machines. Any, anything with moving parts is super easy and fun for arcade employees to yeah, maintain. Yeah, they love pinball. All pinball think, all the time, baby. Super cheap I, to yeah, maintain. Yeah, I think you're uh, slightly incorrect on that one. <laughs> I, I, I want to say I helped Adam uh, fix a Halloween arcade game, but I just pointed a flashlight at the Ghostbusters pinball game. Hey, it helped. Mm. That's <laughs> what, what, what game do you have in flipping great pinball that breaks the most oh my god uh probably my wife's uh, uh freddy krueger pinball nightmare on elm street the that, uh it, I, it breaks so much it's just not a good game for routing it really it just for routing route r- uh, basically for public play it's like mm. you, you put a pinball machine in your house it's not going to break as much because it doesn't get mm-hmm. played as much but that game you know there's there's two moving claws on it you know he spits the ball out there's just so <laughs> many things that move and get jammed it's just it's not a good game to have out mm. So, uh, so not the custom Cuphead one, not the... No, Cuphead's rock solid, man. Arcades are so much easier to work, you know. Granted, ga- you're right, games that have guns and things like that that, that move more, they're always going to break more. But arcades, you have a monitor, you have a board, and you have a power supply. Hmm. Pinballs, yeah. you have eight coils, you have flippers, <laughs> you have links, you have resistors, oh, yeah, you have yeah. a mile of wire. Like, it, it, they just, they break all the time. I'm thinking, now you don't you don't have a light gun game in currently. No, we've and, got... um. In, in our in our storage, we've got an Area Fifty One. We've got um, 
uh, what is it? Lethal Enforcers. But is there a reason for that? Like no gun games? We just I we, imagine we it takes more room. They, they do take it more room. We're going to be putting hopefully an Area Fifty One in soon. Everyone likes that game. Um, <laughs> yeah. well, that game was like unavoidable. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a great game for. I mean, it's when I think of that game, up. I cannot think of that game and not get hungry for a pizza buffet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I've told the story about I, I was at Activision when we were licensing Guitar Hero for a Guitar Hero arcade game, which is basically mm-hmm. kind of a port of Guitar Hero Three. And I, I just remember, like, for some reason, I was the guy put in charge of working with that company on developing it and i do remember like all of the parts had to be like industrial grade switches because they're like yeah this thing needs to last forever so that guitar like i saw one of those machines out in the wild just like six months ago and it works perfectly to this day because like all those machines like the guitars are basically like heavy duty like metal switches and metal everything so that it doesn't break that often because you can imagine like a guitar hero like flimsy plastic controller that would last all of like a day in most arcades you know yeah, yeah I, I learned my lesson. Um, I always wanted a DDR machine. Like I, I oh, always God. wanted one. I'm like, oh, these are great. Like I'd love to get one. So one popped up local to me. You know, it was broken, and the guy's like, yeah, come, come pick it up. I'm like, okay, I can move this by myself. No big deal. I move yeah, pinballs by myself all the time. Solid steel. So. <laughs> Forgetting that you know it's a it's a two player DDR machine and, and cool. the the cab it, the cab itself has a twenty nine inch monitor which is heavy so yeah. then I go to move one of the dance pads I didn't realize that they're like solid like yeah super thick steel each mm-hmm. one of those weighs I want to say three to, to four hundred pounds oh, oh, so. And they yeah, needed to so be my because it looked like it was doing a wheelie down their street with the DDR <laughs> in the back of it. I mean, it's like it was it was taking Hulk to New Asgard. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I mean, whenever you saw people playing them in public too, they were. I don't think I've ever seen anyone just stomping lightly on a DDR machine. It was always like 250-pound dudes stomping as hard as they possibly could on those machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel no, no uh, personally so attacked at that. It's like, me too. I feel like Matt's seen me play DDR, like uh-huh. a Tyrannosaurus stomping bugs. <laughs> Not cool, dude. Yeah, no. It was just that time you and I were playing track and field with the original pad on the NES, Chris. That was, uh, And your neighbors called the cops on us, so that was... That didn't actually happen, but it could easily. Yeah, but it, it, it's it's a plausible story. It did happen with Beatles Rock. Band, I mean, so. I hear my four and six year old upstairs, and it sounds like elephants running around. So I can only imagine you and I like jumping on a floor. I couldn't play Ringo's drums. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbors complained after eight o'clock. Uh, but but it is, it is, wait, so I, I only brought Area Fifty One up because uh, uh, does that have anything to do with Carnival? I mean, is were it? they both Midway? I think, I think they think were, so. yeah. yeah I, and I only say that because I was just on the official website, because you can still look at it courtesy of uh, archi- or, uh, archive.org. Oh, the Wayback Machine? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that website is nothing but, like, moving, you know, GIFs everywhere in, like, probably a visitor counter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in, in a cool way, because it's all, like, the sprites of the characters you'll end up counting. It's count- a grandma counter. putting a letter into a post office box labeled email. <laughs> <laughs> Some spinning skulls on fire. Yeah, Ooh, it's, it's funny, Michael. You mentioned though. slaughtering the clowns in that scene because all I can remember of this game was like the killer clown art all over the place. And yeah, I think Horrifying. that was one of the yeah. things that kept me away from well, this the, machine. There's so much variety that, like, yeah, there, there's killer clowns, but there's also zombies. And in one level, there's like these just grinning dudes that are there to service your car or something. There's like a bumper car thing with like a bunch of uniformed grinning dudes who come up with gas cans and try to kill you. Minnie, Mo, and Jack. Fuck those guys. There's like dinosaurs or possibly like people in dinosaur costumes, but you blow away chunks of the costumes and it's all bloody and gross underneath. This is a very fun, silly game. And again, the final boss is the mastermind of it all, Ludwig von Tokentaker. You You have to go up to his airship, but he's got very specific plans for you. Ah, yes, he needs your brain! 
to whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and like I've never made it to Token Taker, but like just watching a playthrough of this and whoever was playing like had to keep continuing over and over again. So it's like, oh yeah, really on the nose. He's taking your tokens because yeah. he's such a tough bastard. Mm. And we were talking about, you know, different settings. This is one, though, where people could actually set it with the amount of blood and gore generated Ooh. instead of just difficulty. And then the other one, this one's really interesting, and I'm finding this on the old Wikipedia when we were talking about this. There was a character named Junior, which was a deformed, like, giant zombie baby mm-hmm. that you could set it, though, if that was too offensive for your local patrons with a demonic teddy bear named Deddy huh. as, as, as a boss. Yeah, it would yeah. actually replace an in-game boss. That's kind why, of why ruin a good dead alive uh, brain yeah. dead reference? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I mean, it's a gigantic, gross baby that you you try to escape by riding on a toy train. So it, it can't be that terrible. Come on. This game has an official website, but I can't see any of the uh, multimedia in the multimedia section because mm-hmm. I don't have real player. So if any of you out there still have a copy, <laughs> real player. Wow. Well, I think I think probably why you're seeing all these these safeties and, and mm-hmm. you know. Abilities to change things are probably just still dealing with fallback from Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah, yeah. no, you know you could shut off blood, you could shut off fatalities, all that stuff. They probably just mm-hmm. wanted to make this as, as safe as possible to earn money, so operators would still buy their games. We were talking about that with someone on the show, right? Where they said they, they had an arcade where they turned everything off. MB, so they, yeah, he, he was at one of the like a, like an amusement park, and he's like, "Oh my god, Mortal Kombat 2. And he went to go play it, and there was no blood, and and when it said finish him, they just fell over. There's, there's, <laughs> what's the point? Of so fucking cruel. Yeah, it's it's terrible. That's how you get a real bad reputation as an arcade back in the day. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. On uh, the the on the newspaper version of Yelp, <laughs> it takes forever to update. <laughs> I give thee four stars, two stamps mailed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to write a letter to the editor. That's that was the only. I did not hmm. enjoy this restaurant. No, you you would file a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. Guys. Ah, yes, Come on, yes, right. Right. Yeah. Ralph Nader would take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> Which they always told you to do that in school, and then you find out like, oh no, the Better Business Bureau is absolutely toothless and won't do anything. They'll just add your complaint to a database of other complaints because they're paid by the members of the bureau by the yeah. businesses themselves. <laughs> Whose interests do you think they have in mind? Uh, well, we're getting Carnival. We're getting off topic, so that seems like this a clear is a game I've, I probably never played. Hmm. Carnival. I don't, I don't, yeah, well, yeah I don't, I've never played. It was it. kind of hard to play it. It was, you know, it came out in sort of the waning days of arcade popularity, and it was it like it never got a home port again, which which was yeah. rare even then. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of strange, but I think it it definitely has its cult followers. But I don't think you can say. It's as widely recognizable or quite as beloved as this. Number two. No! No! Ah! I don't want to die! My God. Don't come! Don't come! Don't kill me! Please! Help him! Don't kill me! That way. <laughs> I love that difference in the voices. No, help me! Oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for rescuing me. Did did that <laughs> game just say "Don't come, don't come"? Like for uh, it, it I think it said lot. "Don't come, don't come." <laughs> <laughs> now imagine you have owned the PC ports, uh, and, and your mom is addicted to this game. So <laughs> coming from the only AOL computer in the house is "Don't come, don't." Come. <laughs> <laughs> That's like every hentai game on Steam right now. Uh, it's fine. Mom's flicking it again. Don't come. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, this is House of the Dead, isn't yes. it? And that, don't Come is my second favorite line from there. There's just this horrible read where, like, where's a, where did he go? Over there. There's, <laughs> over yeah, there. This has, yeah. like, this is specifically House of the Dead 2, which I think mm. is, is was really popular at the time in part because it got a stellar Dreamcast port with, with light yes. gun support, and it was a ton of fun. Um, and I, I don't like, I played house of the dead three and a little bit of four and none of it stuck with me as much as, as two did. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, but yeah, you, uh, you had that just the worst line readings imaginable throughout this game. Yeah. Dogs of the AMS time. They made a move. Oh, time. They made a move. <laughs> Um, or, or my personal favorite, this, this little flying demon that confronts you in the first level. Oh, and, yeah. oh man, this. It seems like my advice had no effect. Suffer like G did. G being your friend. Suffer like G did is amazing. That this thing attacked earlier. And, but it's, it's like, it phrases it as a question. Suffer like G did? <laughs> It's giving you the choice, you know. You can you can go quickly, or you can choose to suffer. Uh-huh. I think that's that's respectful. Yeah, yeah. I guess Honestly, so. it's just goddamn common courtesy. Uh-huh. I wish more demons would do that. Yeah, and and uh, this this of course became typing of the dead, the original typing mm-hmm. of the dead. That's which was, why this got the edge over Carnival because this had yes, a typing version. Yes, and and that plus uh, Fantasy Star Online were the best reasons to own a keyboard for the Dreamcast. There there were actually yeah. no other reasons. I do remember, didn't the Dreamcast version, like, it even put in the character model, mm-hmm. they were, like, wearing, like, a, a Dreamcast backpack? Yes, and they were holding yes. keyboards out in front of themselves instead of So guns. good. So mm-hmm. good. I, I still have my keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a Dreamcast keyboard as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. We actually are, are looking to build a uh, control panel with, with two keyboards and put this game in our arcade. Oh, wow. Awesome. We, ha- we have a Blast City, and, and we've, we've built adapters and things to kind of get it running in there. So hopefully soon we'll have that in there. That's Sweet. Amazing. I don't know. What was that? I'm trying to remember the last stupidly fascinating thing you were telling me in, in the arcade. It was the Neo Geo mm-hmm. placard cards. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the LED signs that I have. Yeah, because yeah. those are like trying to collect a Neo Geo machine, but also getting those. Oh, yeah. So on, on Neo Geo machines, if you ever saw like a two slot or a four slot, basically the, the idea was whatever game you were playing would have a little like mini marquee, is what they're called. Yeah. And it would light up. So mm-hmm. if you're playing the game in slot one, it would light up. Slot two would light up. But they all burnt out. They, they they used something called EL paper, EL panels, mm-hmm. and they would just burn out. And then um, maybe about a year or two ago, a guy kind of made a kit that just has LEDs in it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'll make a couple of these. They'll sell out probably in a month or two. And they sold out like immediately. So I was able to get one and put it in my machine. It just it makes it so much better because you know what game you're playing. It's just, it's not a Neo Geo machine without that. Yeah. Like it, I, that's the one thing I remember about it. Like it was really, it was like a, the weirdo non-play choice video game jukebox. What's in, <laughs> what's, what's in here? Yeah. Yeah, hmm. and Michael has one, so now he can he can he can buy one. Nice. Yeah. Well, I just have the standard. It's just a one slot, so I have the standard just Neo Geo logo in that spot. Yeah, but I don't like House of the Dead. I want to give a ton of credit because like the zombie craze was pretty far off, and yeah. like Sega somehow had hmm. its finger on whatever Paul and uh, we were. I forget what we were doing, but we were looking at old Dreamcast advertisements and the original crop of Dreamcast advertisements if you remember, were all the characters on Dreamcast games partying and, like, yes. clubs. Oh, yeah. 
and since and since it didn't have that many characters it could use, it was like an NBA player with the ready to rumble guy uh, and Sonic Gary and a zombie. Yep. That is, that is Seattle SuperSonic Gary Payton. Yep. Uh, yes, it, was, it was Gary Payton. Eventual yes. guard for the Lakers. That's the only reason I know that. So another reason why I think House of the Dead Two is you know I, I agree it's the best one, mm-hmm. but. With the with, with the arcade port, it was on the Naomi hardware, and the Dreamcast is pretty much yeah. a Naomi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like ninety nine percent the same. So you pretty much at that point, games like Marvel vs. Capcom to um, you know t- uh, House of the Dead, they're pretty much perfect at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you have these Pelican guns that came out with it, and you could literally play the same game in the arcade at home. Mm-hmm. That was the the first arcade perfect console because I mean that, that we there, were still struggling to find that on the yeah arcade perfect gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. But yeah. Like well, it did it did back then. Yeah. It, it's. I mean, th- those were pretty much perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 you'd be hard pressed to find differences. They might have fixed a couple bugs here and there, but they're pretty much the exact just, same. For, game. from for thirty twenty ten, every time, like we're in the era where I have to keep reading about the Marvel vs. Capcom games, and there's always something wrong with every port. And then Saturn's like, we have a one hundred and fifty megabyte expansion port that'll make the <laughs> the most yeah. perfect Street Fighter cross cap like cross Street Fighter X Men game ever, mm-hmm. and. But that was like the only one that was like close to arcade perfect until yeah. the Dreamcast. Yep. And by then, no one cared about the not enough people cared about the arcades, and not enough people cared about the fucking Dreamcast. <laughs> the Dreamcast is a beautiful little system. I love Absolutely. it. Yeah, we we did a whole show devoted to it recently, didn't we? We sure did. Yeah. Talked about that commercial and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. It it is officially my oldest still worn video game T shirt. It's like I, I I have things from like. I don't know, like Namco events that have just like disintegrated, but that Dreamcast nine nine ninety nine pre order shirt is still have going. You have you beat? What? I have my Final Fantasy seven pre order. Holy shirt. shit! It's disgusting, and it's no longer white. <laughs> that shirt can drink. That shirt can drink in every state. Exactly, but I uh, I still got it. <laughs> that's, you have a you have a nice little Final Fantasy seven collection, don't you? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that was like my first big like RPG I ever got into, and I just became obsessed with it. So really, but you can't I, wait to buy all four or five, however many volumes they want to make of this upcoming remake. Yeah, it's it's gonna suck, but it's also gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what wasn't what what was awesome and didn't suck was House of the Dead, yeah. bringing it back here. Was, it didn't suck yes. so much that do you guys remember how many sequels these games got? Um, I know that <clears throat> three and four were on Chihiro and Lindbergh hardware, mm-hmm. and then I don't know. No, wait, there is a five. There is. Well, Overkill yeah. never got a, a arcade version, as far as I'm aware. But that was like the no, release. Overkill, I thought was unique. There, to the there, Wii, right? Okay, do you remember the the year the last House of the Dead arcade system released? No, I know it was like one of the theater rooms, kind of like Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, 2018 House of the yeah. Dead Scarlet Dawn. That's God right. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool looking. It's a really cool looking machine, if I remember correctly. It's got like a silhouette of like a, it's like a blood splattered window, and there's like a silhouette of a woman on it or something like that, right? Yeah, well, it's like it's like a lot of these things like to bring people back to movie theaters. They're making experiences, mm-hmm. yes. like like with the rumble chairs or whatever the hell they call them in, in theaters. And so like that's the way to bring people back to the arcades is like, well, you got to make it like a like an immersive experience, especially if you're competing with like VR and stuff. So yeah, it's like a. Right. Way more immersive, but it was. I mean, th- there had been like 13 years between that and House of the Dead 4, you know. So, yeah. I just remember, like, I feel like next to Adam's Family Pinball Table, this was like the second yeah. most prominent arcade game. I, well, okay, other than maybe Street Fighter and Mortal, Mortal Kombat, you could not avoid House of the Dead cabs back in the day, they were everywhere. That's yeah. why it's still so funny to me because, like, House of the Dead 2, especially, is still out there, mm-hmm. like, it's yeah. uh, surprisingly. 
No, oh, yeah, yeah. You still, you still and, see and it all I, the time. I, again. I said I, I bought, for some reason bought the PC port, and my mom at the time was addicted to like pre EA PopCap games like Zuma and Bejeweled, okay. and I showed her House of the Dead, and she played it forever for like three years every wow. day. She'd play House of the Dead too That's with awesome. her mouse, and like it was it was such a cool port. Just yeah. like uh, just that it works so well on a shitty PC. I mean, Typing of the Dead is still super fun. I, I have it on oh, Steam, yeah. and it's like, uh, you wish they would bring that to iPhone, and then you realize like how bad I type on the iPhone. It's like, no, I could never pass that game. <laughs> you guys have seen my IMs, do you? No, I would fail miserably. Didn't they, didn't they censor House of the Dead 2 on Dreamcast? Like, the zombies had green blood or something instead of red? I think so, yeah. They, yeah, I, I think I think they were, like, they eat the colors. Yeah, different. I think I just interpreted that as them being, like, decrepit and moldy. Like, no, they don't have blood anymore. Now it's just, like, gross green mold. Just goo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we should probably stop talking about... The House of the Dead. And move on to... Oh, is there some recognition I heard there? Uh, only that this sounds like the most radical 80s slash 90s video game ever. Uh, well, this is Darkstalkers, I should yeah. say, in case you're yeah. thinking of something else. But uh, ah, yeah. Well, no, this this is, you're right, I was totally thinking of something else, but god damn it, this is a good game as well. Yes. I, I think in terms of the richness of the experience and the, the fondness with which this series is remembered by diehard fighting game fans, like, this, this is, it, just, it brought together, like, all these disparate monsters for one big goofy fucking arcade fight fest and notice i say fight fest not fright fest like this was very (laughs) overtly goofy but i think it deserves to be the most highly regarded game on this list i i I fucking agree i i think if you had to if i had to absolutely pick my the sprites that make me smile the most Mm -hmm. it's every everything Everything Darkstalkers has and all its in-betweens. Like, it's all silly as fuck. Yeah. And no and no matter what classic, no matter what hundred years of horror thing you like, it's kind of represented in there. Even, like, an uh, abominable snowman for some reason. Yeah. Like it's, Sasquatch, yeah. It's all there. It, it's it, I, I love it so much, and I, I I really hope Capcom can find something to do with it. And I've all, an, again, abominable they don't listen snowman anymore. Abominable snowman that wears coconuts over its over its tits. <laughs> they don't listen anymore. Yeah, that's the thing, guys. I think you guys are just have some like Rule Thirty Four slash some furry <laughs> stuff going on here because uh, some of the characters in this game, Jesus. Well, I well, mean, I, that was one of the rumors is that character Morgan was added into so many things because. Uh, what do you call that unofficial porn they do in Japan? Um, unofficial porn. Yeah, uh, the doujin, people draw. Doujin, doujinshi. Hentai. No, well, yeah, yeah, maybe not hentai, but like <laughs> it's doujinshi. That kept Morgan alive. Yeah. Like she was, oh, wow. she's prominently featured in all this unofficial porn. So when it came time to make an ensemble, this is a rumor, but mm-hmm. I did hear in the building. <laughs> well, that that <laughs> would, when it came yeah. time to pick for like an ensemble for games, that's why she always was like there because. Her presence never went away in Japan, despite years of not being in a game. I see. Right. I, w- I was more just talking about Felicia, the uh, and Felicia. bikini-clad cat yeah. girl. And the bikini is just her own body fur, so technically she's naked. 
Yeah. 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 Technically, she's naked and Italian. I can tell and Michael has uh, thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically. I've been a fan of this game for a very long time. This can to justify I a poster on his family yeah. room wall. Mm. This, this is also a very confusingly named series because yes. the, the first one was Darkstalkers in the U.S., and I think in... Japan, it was what vampire, yeah. and then the second one I think was Night Warriors in the U.S., but Vampire Hunter in Japan. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that, but then yeah, Darkstalkers three in the U.S. and then Vampire Savior in in mm-hmm. Japan, and mm. Vampire Savior was the best. It was on the CPS three hardware. All the sprites, which were kind of reused over and over again from game to game, got got a little bit of an animation bump, and it introduced characters like QB, who's like just this cute purple-haired bee lady and a f- my personal favorite BB hood yes. that that uh, screaming she's doing is while unleashing a flamethrower from a champagne bottle but the, I, I love the idea of cute little red riding hood who has a basket full of bombs and guns and a really <laughs> tough psychopathic persona that she uses to hunt monsters well that's way better than anything kim kardashian could do with a champagne bottle yeah. so i'm all for it i i can tell you guys um we, we host fight nights up at uh, my arcade every week mm-hmm. and maybe behind super turbo this is without a doubt the number one played game really on the uh, cps2 hardware yeah we i, I have the i have the the dark soft uh multi-kit for cps2 so we have all the games mm-hmm. and vampire savior by far it's it's such a fast-paced fun fluid game like it's so much I, fun I, to I watch think, yeah, it's, 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 it's how i feel watching like uh dragon ball fighters yeah like this is just mm. so much fun to watch and dark mm-hmm. still is they if you're lucky enough during evo they, they normally have like side streams where you know really really competitive people play this game and it's just it's amazing to watch mm-hmm. it's like it's like watching high level marvel vs. capcom 2 and i haven't i haven't done the research in a while but i remember back when i was looking at these would always obviously come out in between street fighters and they would always do something weird that would generally go in in a de- redefined Street Fighter mm-hmm. in a year or two from then. But it was always kind of unrefined. Like anything Darkstalkers added, Street Fighter would kind of take the next yeah. year and yeah. refine to a, a, a polished degree. Yeah, because the series is far far less popular than Street Fighter, but yeah. it's still I mean still popular. But obviously, not. It's probably I mean Adam, you might know this, but in terms of like I don't know penetration, whatever the term you're using for for number of machines out there, like I would guess this is just a fraction of Street Fighter machines. Yeah, Street Fighter by by far. You know, we we always said Street Fighter is the the game that everybody could play, and then you had your your players that would play other things. You had some people that played Street Fighter and Tekken. You had some people that played Street Fighter and Vampire Savior. Mm-hmm. But there was no, you know, people play everything. But Street Fighter was always the cement. That that's the mm-hmm. thing that everybody could pick up and play. Mm-hmm. It was simple enough to play. I will say, Vampire Savior is a very tough game to play competitively because mm-hmm. it's so fast and. A lot of people get frustrated when they play these old games. You play games like Street Fighter Mm 4, and not that they're not competitive, but it's so much easier to do things in Street Fighter Mm 4 than it is in Super Turbo. Because Super Turbo is not forgiving. Your inputs have to be perfect. Street Fighter 4 is a lot more lenient. So when people go back and play... You know, Dark Stalkers or Vampire mm-hmm. Series are like, oh my god, this is you know so hard, and it really is compared to you know like newer fighting games. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I just, I want, and that's the thing. I love Dark Stalkers. Mm-hmm. I can't really fucking play. Like, I, it's, yeah, it's hard. I, I can't really play it, and it never. And I can fuck around with it, and it's all fun. So I, when I was in the company and when without the company, I'll just keep saying this should be where Final Fight goes. That's like keep all their moves. You reuse all the sprites. Don't draw anything new. 
Just make a si- a belt scrolling beat em up that all these characters can use. They can use all their fucking weirdo combos and special mm-hmm. moves. Didn't they like re release this on like digital? They did, yeah. And did they redraw anything, or did they just? Kind no, of I don't think so. I think they were just straight up ports. So I, n- I never picked the port up, but yeah, it's probably why there's not a new Dark Soccer's game. Good on you, Adam. Hey, man, I have the hard, I have the arcade <laughs> hardware, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my uh my most recent exposure to the series because I actually didn't see it that much out in the wild growing up is um I talked a lot about High Score Girl that series on yes. Netflix and so this good. game this series plays a big role in that yep. it kind of is comes after their through their Street Fighter phase you know mm-hmm. and so they they're they're trying to get really good at Darkstalkers and that's kind of the game where they're like really testing their skills like are we really good so uh, yeah that's worth checking out if you haven't seen that series um, and you do want to if you just want to watch people playing like 90s arcade games uh, High Score Girl is awesome for that hmm. and I want to say I just was googling as we started talking because I can never pronounce their names a list of Darkstalkers characters and I just want a fun a fun experience if you've never heard of Darkstalkers if I say the name Lord Raptor, uh-huh. go ahead and draw what you think that's going to be. Well, it's not, it's I know not what's it in the game. <laughs> it's not what's in the game. You know, one of my biggest regrets is I remember they were trying to sell Darkstalkers merchandise and like they weren't moving awesome. in the Capcom store. And, and the guy's like, that sucks. I bet I, I want all this stuff. He's like, I'll sell you every Lord Raptor 22-inch statue we have for $200. Wow. And like, I had to think about it. <laughs> I had to think about it. Do I want 30 Lord Raptor Darkstalkers bus, maybe. Yes. Oh, yeah. And and I just I Googled I just Googled uh, Darkstalkers characters. I recommend you do it. I have my safe Google safe thing off. <laughs> the the most prominent two two characters have thumbnails that Google won't show you. Mm-hmm. Oh my <laughs> I have never seen that I have never seen the Google we're not showing you this thumbnail is, before. Is that Morgan and Lilith? It is it's Morgan and Felicia. Oh yeah. Felicia, okay. But yeah, more mm-hmm. that that's one thing that like never quite sat right with me, is it like Morrigan had this whole storyline where, like, oh, a, a part of her personality split off and became Lilith, who's just like this, this lolly bait character that is just like this. This is just an excuse for perverts to play the game, like yeah. just an Pretty underage, much. sexy version of of Morrigan. Michael, she was born in 1678. Oh well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. You're using Fire Emblem logic on me. I won't have it. <laughs> but I, I imagine I won't get my wish, and I imagine if, if Street Fighter Five is still continuing into seasons, mm. that's where the Dark Starkers characters will go. Well, I, I remember th- this was years ago um, at one of the Evos. Ono had teased the new Dark Stalkers, and it turned uh-huh. out to be that you know that I was there. Movies. I remember. But then I, I remember reading something where you know he was saying that it was so difficult to animate these things in two point five D that it would just take forever and, and cost too much money to to make. Now I think that's a cop out. I'm so hopeful. I, I would love a new Dark Soccer. Dark Soccer is, yeah. is fantastic, and Street Fighter Five. You know, at least around here, people don't play it. They're just burned out on it. They're not huge fans of it. So something like that would be awesome. Yeah, I love I, I love the little animation flourishes in Dark Stalkers. I love the way that like Lord Raptor's ribs flex, and Felicia grabs her enemies and kicks them like a cat that's grabbed your arm. It's just a, a beautiful game all around. And I also love that Dark Stalkers followed Street Fighter in getting a terrible animated show on the USA, USA. Network. Oh, and <laughs> there's one clip that I saw tweeted the other day by at uh, Super Twinerva on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it's it's Morrigan talking to a boy that she's about to try and kill. 200 years ago, a coven of white witches sealed me up in a rock below the surface of the North Sea. Really? Don't interrupt. Yes. I was sealed in a rock prison with only my thoughts. And you're going to do that to me? Seal me up in a rock? No, Harry. That takes time and power I don't have to waste. 
Good. Uh, I mean, oh, too bad. I know it's not as romantic as being sealed in a rock, but I'm just going to throw you off the cliff. And she does. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> just yeets yeah. him right the fuck off the cliff. Um, oh, boy. But I, I also wanted to call out in terms of the detail in the game itself, like the, the transformations that can happen to your character mm-hmm. are something to behold. Like there will be moments when a character will grab you in a throw and rather than just throw you like Dimitri, when he grabs you, he has this move called Midnight Bliss that can transform any character into like a sexy female version of themselves. And when he grabs one of the, the women characters and they just they can transform into like weird cartoon versions, whatever, or like another character. I think QB like turns characters into egg shaped cocoons that she then hatches out of and that does damage. It's, mm. These are all like fatality level things, but they just happen in the middle of a fight. I uh, I want to ask the Tallahassee boys a little bit a little bit of trivia, gentlemen. So there is a Fishman character in the series. He's got two names, Rico and then um, Owlbath. I would say. Uh, but do you know do you know where he got his the first name, the Rico or Riku, uh, where, What what that name is from? Kingdom Hearts. Right. Yep. Kingdom Nailed Hearts. <laughs> Nailed it. Final <laughs> Fantasy X. I got nothing, man. <laughs> uh, no, that is named after the stuntman who portrayed the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, oh nice. nice. Rico. That's awesome. Yeah. Very Rico, nice guy. Rico oh, got, Browning. Is it, is it the guy who could spend like four minutes underwater? Yeah. I guess Again, those, so, yeah. That uh, is also, The Shape of Water and uh, Zelda a Breath of the Wild owes them royalties for this character. Yeah. Just saying. Also, <laughs> Rico is like way prettier than The Shape of Water, dude. And also, yes. I just want to call out, this is a game that has not only a, a British punk rock zombie who prominently wears the Union Jack, but also a werewolf who is basically what if Bruce Lee was a werewolf and he wears like <laughs> martial arts pants and slings nunchucks around. Perfect. Pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Plus, they, they have a Frankenstein's monster character just named Victor, which, yes. as we all know, is completely <laughs> wrong, but he's owning it. Yeah. I, he's like, it's, it's so okay. Strange. I feel like if, if this was like an early access project, we'd never stop talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact is, there are three complete games, mm-hmm. and no one gives a shit. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah, well, well, people no one, especially Capcom. Like, group, Capcom... Yeah. They're just sitting on this thing, and it's like, that, that series would make... I'm, I'm guessing they're just waiting to do it right, you know, but... You feel like no. I feel like if they put out anything, <laughs> I no. I disagree. No. They, they're, they're sitting on so many good things. I, I just think they're worried about no, no, no. Out profit. They're I mean, not. They're not, si- they're not sitting on good things. It's just that games cost way more than they did when they just could create any idea they wanted for the PS One. Right, and uh, everything costs like tens of millions of dollars. And this is a property that, like, again, I revere, but the rest of the public is unaware of, and the. They'll probably make it obtuse and unapproachable as regular Street Fighter. So, yeah. so I, yeah, I don't know. I, that's why I say, like, why not have a cheap $20 beat-em-up? Don't, don't make yeah. new levels and enemies, but, like, use the same sprites of these 20 characters, man. Like, it's fucking well, they, awesome. They, well, that about does it for our top five, except we have... Uh, <laughs> here we go. There it is. I can just picture the like theme song lyrics to that thing. Uh, this is a game that is practically unknown, I think, in the U.S. and did not make yeah. much of an impact anywhere. But if you're going to talk about horror arcade games, I feel like it needs to be somewhere in the list. Yeah, what is this, this is the game that I refer to as the RoboCop of '80s video games or '80s '90s. This is Night Slashers. Yep. <laughs> 
this is this is a game about three monster hunters on the trail of a vampire who's opened a portal between the demon world and earth world and you've got three characters to choose from there is jake who's an american monster hunter with like fucking deaf leopard hair and cybernetic <laughs> arms. There's uh, <laughs> that's the best part. Don't just brush over that fucking yeah. cybernetic arms, dude. Like, <laughs> there's Christopher, who's a European vampire hunter in like an orange tuxedo, and then there is Hong Hua, who's like a a Taoist priest slash Chun Li clone, who's the greatest martial artist in China. <laughs> that's what, that's out of a lot of martial artists. There's like over a billion people there, man, <laughs> and they all do kung fu. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it's um, it's a lot of fun. There's like a lot of variety in the moves. There's tons of zombies just dripping with gore and guts that like you you land a couple of hits and their heads explode, and it's it's just so beautifully gross. And the dialogue is so fucking stupid. Those are your final words. <laughs> and let's not forget. You think you can beat me? You can't beat me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I, I I really want to play this. We just we need we need the mashup with that in House of the Dead too. Like, don't come, don't come. <laughs> you can't beat me. I'm, I swear, all this makes me want to come in October. <laughs> God damn. Uh, who made Night Stalkers? Night, well, Night Slashers was made by Slashers. Data East. Yeah, but Data East. Um, I, but I have to fulfill Matt's request now. Don't come. You can't beat me. So yeah, Night Slashers made by Data East, purveyors of all fine fighters histories. And it's it's like so as much as as stereotypical as like the ghosts and goblins creatures were like this game had those in spades as well like the bosses are straight up like there's a mummy and a golem boss and a mad scientist Very and like happy. Dracula there's there's is yeah. all of that stuff but it's just like I think the reason for me I'm like we have to include this game is it's so it's it's an early 90s game but it's so it's that shoulder season between the 80s and 90s that we think of as the 80s like it's so over the top and outrageous yeah. all the way down to like the character christopher has like the mullet and he's a fucking a magician because why not mm-hmm. he, of course he is yeah <laughs> and the guy like we mentioned already not just cybernetic arm like didn't just lose one arm yeah. and had to get it replaced like no both arms like willingly was like well i really need to punch a lot of zombies yeah. like can Jax. you can you yeah, can you give me something to help me out here? Mm-hmm. Two cybernetic arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, this game is is outrageous, yeah. dude. And it, and that guy has like a special move that like just plants enemies in the ground up to their shoulders, so you can just like walk around and stomp on their heads. Yeah, that's the thing is it's like a beat 'em up that actually has some cool mechanics. Yeah. Like it has, you fill up like a special meter and you can do these special moves. Mm-hmm. And then there are bonus rounds where you like walk around on a beach in front of a crowd of cheering zombies and uh, kick zombies in the head for a while. Well, yeah, it's I mean, like if you're going to get cybernetic arm replacements, yeah, yeah. you want to be able to walk around on a beach and show them mm-hmm. off, right? Yeah, yeah. Sun's out, guns out, am I right? <laughs> but yeah, Night, Night Warriors is a lot of fun. If you can find it somewhere on the internet, I recommend looking <laughs> looking it up and playing it. Well, real yeah, quick, real this, quick, is, this is another one that the, the Japanese version, they did have some differences with us that we should talk about. So they, they had like the uncensored red blood mm-hmm. instead of green. But this, this is one where... I think as an operator, you could change the violence level in the game and the gore and go up or down if you needed to. And then this is one where I was talking. 
No, this, this is a game like I've I've never seen this anywhere. I don't, mm. I don't of all my friends that collect, I don't know anybody who has I, this. I board. don't even know that it came to the U.S. I've just seen Japanese yeah. and like Korean slash world versions. Right. Yeah. It, it also we were talking about religious imagery earlier. So when Christopher does his special attack, I think in our version he it's a crystal mm. ball he's holding out because he's a magician. Get it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in their version, it's a cross, of course, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then my favorite change is. Um, the go arrow, because you know these beat em ups, like when it's like, okay, move on to the next scene, it has the flashing go. It flips over to read to hell, <laughs> dripping in blood. <laughs> nice. Oh, also, another another cool thing is that, like, when characters hit the enemies, there's like little comic book style onomatopoeia, like smash or whatever. And when Hong Hua does it, it's, it's all just like Chinese characters that pop up. So oh, she even sweet. punches in Chinese. Sweet. <laughs> I, I don't even need to know what it says, man. I'm just gonna go get a tattoo uh-huh. right yep, now. Yeah, yep. says crazy diarrhea. <laughs> of course it does. But I only, I only want like when talking to Adam about this, uh, I didn't know that there was also a Resident Evil arcade machine, arcade cabinet. Yeah. yeah. How, how old? Um, I don't know exactly when it came out, but it's like a, it's kind of like a, like a, you have a gun on the, yeah. on the cabinet, mm-hmm. and like a real shooter. There's a couple. Is that Gun Survivor Two? Gun Survivor. Yeah. That that mm-hmm. actually came to PS2. So that okay. that had a home port and it was okay, okay. but is the sequel to uh, I think I think it was like originally Resident Evil Gun Survivor and then they just changed it to Resident Evil Survivor on PlayStation One because they're like oh we can't right. put gun in the title we can't make it a light gun game now it's a point and click game like right yeah yeah there's a guy that has one and he brings it down to the uh, Free Play Florida show every Ooh. year so if you're down there in, in November you might I think check it I out. will be mm. he'll be there yeah. I think I'm going to be in Orlando for a lot of gaming stuff, so come say hi. Cool. Cool. But yeah, that's been our top five. We hope you had fun mm-hmm. listening. So, Adam, we're about to lose you before the second half, but before you go, is there anything you would like to plug? A podcast where people can hear you, maybe? Uh, yeah, we actually have a, uh, a podcast coming out uh, here on the Laser Time Network Hadouken. soon called uh, Paduken, and it's a... Uh, it's a deep dive into arcade games, but we're trying not to be too technical with it. We want people to kind of even if you're slightly interested in arcades or the history of these games, to be able to, to kind of tune in and, and check it out. Is, and, is it uh, only the, called that because Tatsumaki Senpu Podku was taken? Mm-hmm. So Jesus the reason why... <laughs> <Christ, man. laughs> yes! <laughs> I've been waiting Tatsumaki to make that joke uh, No, so actually, the, the reason why we called it that, um, the, the podcast is going to kind of be done in chapters, in a sense. So the, the first wave of episodes will be, you know, with fighting games, and then we're, we're going to do other things, you know, like shooting games or, or gun games things like that but uh my uh one of the other co-hosts rob he he said oh yeah for the fighting game one i just want to call it the paducan chapter i'm like absolutely not that's the name of the mm-hmm. entire series because i fell in love with it mm-hmm. um i just love that name and i could not believe that somebody hadn't used it yet, yeah or it taken seems, it it's, seems silly yeah and so. just i wanted to hear it just because like I don't know. I wish I wish you could be me hanging out with you cuz I'm talking <laughs> to a bunch of people who really love games but I think the idea of like having been in your house in your shop in your uh, arcade something about something about you having to like dig inside of these games and foster them or occasionally bring them back to life even <laughs> the stuff that's you acknowledge is terrible uh is gives you a a, a more interesting perspective as I don't know. I, I say restorationist but that's even that's a little reductive because but but yeah I love I love that I love hearing you arcade guys talk about aspects of games I've spent the last 10 years talking about games every week and mm-hmm. you make it fe- you make you feel like I, there's this layer I haven't penetrated yet 
All right, Paducan. Hopefully, every Wednesday we're still getting the feed all set up. Every and, other um, Wednesday. Is, every there, other is Wednesday. there a place people can learn more and follow you if they want to learn about the arcade as well as Paducan? Yeah. So my my personal Twitch, um, I, I stream a couple times a week. I really wish I had a better schedule, but um, you can catch me usually. You know, anytime after six p.m. Uh, Eastern is, is when I normally stream, and that mine is uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Pass Blaster. The restoration stuff on your YouTube channel, yeah. like oh, the, yeah. the first one I watched was. That awesome green trim Ninja Turtle cabinet, uh, just you getting it, it, you showing it. Here's how you put it in a fucking truck. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah. So I, I also do have a YouTube channel. I, I I try to upload as much as possible, but it's usually a couple times a month. But that's just it's the same thing. It's just Pass Blaster, all one word. Um, and I do try to do some uh, repair stuff. Right now, I'm restoring a, a Sega Megalo Two cabinet that I found in a barn that was about to be destroyed. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it, it's it's a lot of stuff. We, we have about fifty things going on at once. But the the arcade itself is mm-hmm. uh, twitch.tv forward slash uh, flipping great pinball. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then the show itself, I think you're on Twitter at Padukin, right? Correct. Yes. Padukin. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Adam. That's been a lot of fun. On that note, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some news, some new releases, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30 2010. Here's a clip from 1999. American Pie was a phenomenon with uh, it was crazy. five, five, four sequels and three straight to video sequels. Yeah. But American Pie is all about guys trying to get laid, especially through the eyes of Jim, Jason Biggs, who I think is actually pretty fun. I like that. I, I've always liked Jason Biggs, and I'm try- I can't even remember what the pie scene is because oh, he fucks it. No, no, yes, <laughs> I recall. But uh, With I his penis. <laughs> but I saw both move the the first two movies in theaters, and the MPAA always has a cut to suggest. So the DVD has if you watch. You watched it more on DVD. You have a different fucking scene. So, what do you remember him doing with the pie? Honestly, I don't remember. Like, I've kind of blocked. Did that his dad out. come in and he has the pie plate over I his think crotch? So, yeah. So, in the right. unrated, unrated DVD, he's on the counter fucking it. Oh, and- <laughs> missionary style. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Can you do doggy with a pie? <laughs> I mean, not if you're the giver. Uh, bend it over the fireplace. And like- <laughs> but you can do reverse cowgirl. Uh. <laughs> How do you reverse it? It's round. Well, the pie plate's away from you. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, the pie plate is its underwear. I <laughs> <laughs> think it's all but. <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to our final segment where we will jump straight into that segment known as, let me pull up the soundboard here. Everybody 
yeah. Wait, so that time you were stalling because you didn't have the soundboard pulled up? Like, that was the first time you needed to stall? I mean, that's the joke, so yes. Uh, <laughs> that has always been happening? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Michael's just really unprepared the second segment. No, of I, just, I just didn't have it clicked on. Um, <laughs> bunch of stuff this week. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Uh, full yeah. disclosure, I work for Ubisoft, and Ooh. I got these guys codes uh, for mm-hmm. free. But... Uh, it is it is finally out. I am delighted. Uh, I, I really enjoy the game. You get turned loose on a big, beautiful archipelago of mystery that's populated by rogue spec ops soldiers and killer drones. And uh, I I don't know. I'm having fun with it. Did you guys get a chance to play the the open beta or the game at all? Played no. the beta. Didn't get a chance to get to the game just because download times. We talk about mm-hmm. new games all the time, and this is a this is a biggie. This one is. 50 gigs on my Xbox or something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Use that preloading option if you got it. I'm going to have to leave the 100 gigabyte Gears 4 again. <laughs> yeah, so this, uh, I mean, what, what I did play the beta, I really enjoyed. Like, um, I think my favorite aspect, other than having a giant open world with question marks that I must go explore mm-hmm. and see what those question marks are, is the, uh, the feel of the shooting feels really good. Um, it's kind of like, you know how PUBG shooting is... It's meant to be more realistic, like there's bullet drop and, mm-hmm. all, and all this stuff. Like, it, And it's not – there's kickback and all that. So the, the guns, you feel a little bit better than – like PUBG, you have to spend a lot of time before you can really get good at that. And most of the time, by the time you see someone to shoot at them, you're already dead, so it's too late. But in this game, you know, it, it's like – it's kind of more realistic in that regard. I mean, I, they're talking to a guy who doesn't really shoot guns, so I don't know how realistic it, it feels. More realistic. How's that? More, more sure. video game realistic. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really. Uh, there's a lot to do in the open world. Um, the other thing I really love from the beta that I can't wait to kind of dig in with the full game more is is the the skill trees and the basically the character progression is really built out and robust in this yeah, game. There's classes uh, four to start yeah. with. Um, if you if you pick field medic, you can revive yourself, which is great if you're playing solo. Uh, I'm going with a sharpshooter build myself. I think last time we were talking about the beta, yeah, you had said that was a good solo one because you can just well, you're kind of DPS build, right? So you're mm-hmm. you're built to take out a bunch of enemies, and that's the other thing is most engagements in this game you're creeping up on dudes from far away, which is that is reminiscent of early Ghost Recon games. You know, is is it was mostly. Do you guys remember the old PC ones where you would sit there and plan yes. your team's ways around mm-hmm. the map, mm-hmm. and then it was there was an Alpha and Bravo team, and you would say, "Okay, go," and it, you could. I loved it because you could just like if you just sit still, you could hear the guys that you had programmed on the map like just acting out everything you had done, and it was like clockwork. Like, oh, this enemy came over here and they got him, and um, so that's not in this game, but uh, it it still feels like those games and harkens back to those games because it's all about creeping up taking out as many enemies as you can from far away before they detect where you are and start shooting at yeah. you. Well, it can feel like those games if you're playing co-op because then you can yeah. like, you know, coordinate with your squad mates and say like, okay, you go over here and yeah. you you tag these guys and then you can like do coordinated shots and uh, Yeah, and yeah. then you can have like the lethal weapon moment where it's like, you sit on 3, not 1 2 3 and then shoot. Mhm. But you can also get like your drones in the air. You have you have sync shot drones which are like these consumable items. That you Sweet. say, like, okay, I want to put... And, and I think you can deploy up to three of them per player, so... I mean, unless you get the special Amazon drone product placement, which I really didn't appreciate in my realistic military shooter. Ho-ho. That's not a real thing. 
But yeah, lots of lots of opportunities for stealth and sneaking around. Uh, one thing that I realized uh, early on playing through it is like, oh, this has the uh, one of my favorite parts from Far Cry, in that like here's an, an installation full of troops that you get to scout out ahead of time with your drone, and then you figure out like what order do I take these guys out in? I should probably mm-hmm. go for the radio operator first, so they can't call for reinforcements. But maybe I want them to call for reinforcements so I get to kill more guys because I'm a psychopath. But, uh, but like, you know, clearing out outposts is still a lot of fun, just hunting guards. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, did, did you guys have any standout moments when you were playing? It, it was a lot of little moments of just, like, dudes being completely unaware I was there and feeling, like, in a lot of, a lot of stealthy games, like, I just would, I always feel like they're quick to detect me, like, after one shot. And I feel like this is more realistic, like, the AI... It's probably more how it'd be in real life. Like, it takes them a while to figure out where the bullets are coming from. And especially, like, if you start to move around after shooting one guy, um, then, then yeah, it could be really fun. Just you feel very powerful. Um, although, you know, if you play, like, uh, who is it? Was it Lil John? the way he plays with his buddies? Mm. Or Lil, one of the Lils? Yeah. Uh, then, then you're not doing stealth at all. You're just going in guns blazing, dude. Which, um... I actually have so normally that stuff doesn't work on me, and I think those kind of marketing things are are cheesy. But this, uh, I do Wayne, recommend for, for people. It, yeah, sorry, that's I knew it was one of Lil's. Mm-hmm. Uh, go watch that Lil Wayne uh, Ghost Recon See? video. I told it's you. really funny. It's <laughs> really funny, dude. Yeah, he just he just keeps wandering off to to talk on the phone or whatever. It's, it's great. Well, it, it does a little bit of that Jumanji thing where it's hmm. like. It's the voice of these guys coming out of guys that look nothing like them. Mm-hmm. And so Lil Wayne is playing this, like, white dude with this big, basically the Medal of Honor beard. Yeah, like, the, the new Medal the of Honor The stock no-man character with the beard and the, the yeah. baseball cap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he's, like, the facial expressions that actors making are meant to, like, match, like, Lil Wayne when he talks, which is great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, normally I'd say, you don't need that all that, but go watch that video. It's really funny. Yeah. That's my top Ghost Recon Breakpoint moment. Is that Lil Wayne video? All right, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm super stoked to have that out finally. But uh, it's not the only thing that came out this week. Uh, no. Speaking of uh, shooter looters, which uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint is very much one. Uh, Destiny mm-hmm. 2 Shadowkeep, a yes. new expansion, comes hither. Yes, yes. Uh, the new expansion came out, and um, oh, I, as I as I told you, Michael, what did I say in in our chat? I said. God damn it, I bought more Destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this one is interesting in that they're, they're doing the seasons completely differently, uh, this time around. And so it's the first time where, because of the way the last season pass played out during year two, I was kind of like tentative, like, do I want to re up and get another season pass? Um, they're doing the seasons more like the way like an Apex Legends would do a season or like a Fortnite where, a season pass is really just you're buying like a rewards pass that you get access to stuff quicker or you get access to better a better tier of stuff. But if you don't buy it, there's still like this thing that you can earn goods using, which is it's kind of like your battle pass that you're using throughout the season. And so everyone kind of levels that up and gets experience playing the way they like to play the game, which is another thing I really appreciate. Like as someone who 
I hate whenever they force me into Crucible because I just hate Crucible. Like you can still get XP from doing strikes or from doing any PVE stuff that you want to do, which is where I spend a lion's share of my time in that game. So it's nice that they have that option and you're earning stuff. I think it's up to like a hundred levels or something. And then it's one of those deals where if you want to pay each season pass and it's a little it's weird because the term season pass typically in our mind would mean oh you get access to like four upcoming dlcs or whatever what they mean now by season pass is each one is a season which lasts three months and each one will cost you ten dollars or if you buy the deluxe edition of of shadow keep i think you get four for 35 dollars. so you like save five bucks or whatever but i didn't feel compelled to buy that this time because i don't know how it's going to play out because i wasn't really thrilled with the way the dlc worked for the last year of destiny but i think that's because i bought it all up front as a season pass and then it was kind of like i didn't feel like i got my money's worth with what i had paid in terms of like the content itself there wasn't a ton of like story missions or the stuff that you were kind of used to with destiny expansions um but this time they're they're i think they're just being upfront about it and saying well no we're gonna have a, the occasional story thing or a little cutscene." uh but this time it's just if you want to get kind of that like a higher tier experience, I guess. Um, it's ten bucks, and so that feels like a way better commitment, and I'm way more comfortable with with ten bucks every three months versus let me give you fifty dollars and pray that the DLC is good. It does definitely though feel like they no longer have like the Activision coffers at their back. You know, it's like they're they're playing around with and trying new things, and maybe you know this is their way of saying okay, we're gonna do DLC a little bit differently than we've been doing it. Um, so. Anxious to see how it plays out, but the nice thing again is, so for Shadowkeep itself, it's only $35, and you get the first season pass with it, so they're kind of giving everyone a taste. Like, yeah, everyone is a season pass member Mm -hmm. for the first three months. And then after that, if you want to keep doing it, it's only $10 investment each time. So, yeah, um, it feels like, okay, cool, I, I, I can deal with that. So, really anxious to see how they roll out content, how they do stuff, um, because this is the first time they're really rolling like free to play destiny up with like the people who have been playing for all this time they're kind of doing like a power reset and it's actually something they said they're kind of going to do every season um so yeah it's if you have like me kind of been away from destiny for a while it's a good time to jump back in because everyone's kind of figuring it out and at a similar level at this point and i think they're still they're establishing the meta and which weapons you need to get and all that stuff. So, yeah, and I mean, for 35 bucks, um, I think that also will get you all of the other season pass stuff from, from year two. So it's, uh, yeah, if, you, if you've been waiting to check out Destiny, it's a really good time. And I think, you know, the, the core game itself is free at this point. So it's like $35 gets you started oh, wow. and that gets you that first season pass. So, um, and for one of the games that has... it you know some of the best shooting in any video game ever created and i'm mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not exaggerating when i say that like the shooting in destiny 2 feels better than any shooter i've ever played it's a it's a hell of a thing so let's see how it plays out i'm excited so the season of the undying just kicked off and i don't know well isn't this like a, a giant refresh for the series is they're self-publishing it yeah that's that's what i was saying is like they no longer have kind of the activision backing so they're no longer doing it feels like they're not tied to this traditional model of like big DLC. They're not packs. tied to fucking Battle.net. Yeah. Well, did you see that? It, well, I just saw on social media that it launched on Steam, essentially, right? It did, and and they have a thing where when you boot it up, where it's going to tell you like, hey, if you want to enable cross save, 
you got to pick which character you want to go with this time around. Otherwise, it's going to like overwrite your shit. And so figure all that out in advance. Like if you've been playing in two different places, like figure out which save you want to use and make sure you get all that done before you hop in because you don't want to accidentally right step, you know, right over your progress. So I only saw in the in the laser time community, they posted something I'd never seen in Destiny before. It said Destiny 2 is at capacity. Whoa. Yeah, that, that's so far mm. it seems to be working because they, yeah, they people were there were huge queues just to get in and play the game. I mean, which I'm not saying is a knock because like that'll all settle down within of a course. few days, but it means like the game will always be populated. And if you if you if you dove into the DLC a little late, like I did a couple times, it was kind yeah. of hard to find people to ride or die with you through some of those weirdo raids. What's well, it's a it's a news story I brushed over last week because we were kind of running short on time, but um, I didn't have time to bring it up. But they were out there fairly recently saying that Destiny Two is going to be the game, the platform for like I think it's at least five years. They said it might have been ten. Where you know it's not there's not going to be like a Destiny Three coming up in a year that's going to have you're going to reset your progress. So they are. This is the game. This is the platform that they're building on from here. I mean, didn't, so. wasn't the first Destiny supposed to be a ten year game? Sure was, but I can't believe they thought it was that was going to happen under a name like Activision. <laughs> but that's the thing. Then Activision came along and said, oh, we can make a lot more money charging people for a $60 game. And so the fact that the first one without Activision, the first big relaunch, is a $35 buy-in fee versus mm. 60 that says something. Holy shit, they, they might make their 10-year goal that they stated in 2014. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's it's. I know people used to joke about that, like, oh, ha-ha, 10-year game. But Destiny is what it's it's going on five already, and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down. So yeah, I have nothing bad to say about Destiny, but as someone who played the shit out of everything in one and most of two, I just don't know if I want to jump back into it. I know they never like to call it an MMO, but jumping back in feels very much like an MMO. Like you have to figure out, okay, what's the current meta? Which weapons am I chasing? What's the currency situation? Because there's all these new currencies they launch and like all these events and shit. And so it's it's very much like it's overwhelming to a lot of people. But I will say the way they do it and roll it out is like it's only going to take you like a night to really figure out, okay, this is how I get, this is what I like to do when I play this game. I mean, they've gotten it to the point where it's like, you can kind of play it however you want. Like there's no right way to be playing destiny for like max. I'm sure there is like a min maxing way of like, Oh, to maximize your efficiency when playing, but fuck that bullshit. And especially with the new season pass thing, it's just like, yeah, give me the extra 10 bucks and you're going to, you're going to level up really quick anyway. Um, they also mentioned this isn't so great. Uh, it depends on how much you play, but if you don't hop into each season right away, they haven't said how much it's going to cost or anything, but they're going to offer like people a way to catch up with the season pass. So like a lot of games that do this, they let you buy the power just at any time, like right when the season starts. But they're like, no, you have to have tried to earn it. But within that last few weeks of the season, if you really want to chase like the good exotic gun or whatever, they're going to let people buy power, but they haven't given any details about price and stuff. So let's, let's wait and see how that pans out. But um, if you're like me and you, you're kind of going to use this as your side game and be playing it consistently, they also said like, it's not going to take you very long to kind of get what you need to out of that battle pass. All right. That's been my destiny minute. I went way longer than a minute. <laughs> uh, probably. Um, also, yeah, Ghostbusters, the video game remastered came out. Uh, Woo! I haven't had a chance to touch the remaster, but that original game is fantastic. So uh, I, I warm on it the, every time I replay. I, was I feel like I was pretty cruel to it when it came out. Hmm. Well, just because, like, the, I don't know, the game's just not that great, but, like... 
the banter is, and it, it is for all intents and purposes, it's Ghostbusters 3 and 4. And I don't know. Like, you have to be excited. I don't know. Yeah. I know we're, we're actually getting a Ghostbusters 3 now. You can, you can go talk to the portrait of Vigo when it's Max von Sydow's actual voice. Uh, you'll never see Harold Ramis as uh, Peter, or not Pink, uh, what's his name? Egon. Shit. Egon. Egon Spank. You'll never hear that again. Nope. And uh, that's kind of amazing. And the only thing now we need, I would pay the price of a full game for Rick Moranis DLC. Oh, man. That would be awesome. Remember, we, I, was, I was talking about him, I think, on 302010. Uh, I was, yes, this week. Because uh, he, he does, in my opinion, the best SNL, air quote, monologue I've ever seen. And he retired from everything. Because I believe, did his wife die and he wanted to take care of his two sons? I thought he'd shrunk too many kids. I think she got sick, and then I think she did eventually die. But yeah, he he gave up mm. acting to go be a family man, which so I, I respect. So I'm telling him right now, your kids, they're beyond college age. Mm. You can come back yeah. now. Yeah. So what yeah. you're saying is uh, he lost a fight to Guile. Guile told him to go home and be a family man, and he did. He did. It took me wow. a second. <laughs> um, feel free to Photoshop that, that uh, continue screen if you'd like. <laughs> Richard Kuglinski. So full disclosure for a really old game, I worked on this game, and so I, it, it holds a special place in my heart. Um, and yeah, all of those stories you hear about, you know, uh, them referring to this as the third Ghostbusters and all that, that's all true. Like Dan Aykroyd said that all the time. Uh, this is the one that a lot of the producers would tell me stories about how they had to reach Bill Murray, and it was crazy stuff like he doesn't have an agent, so you just got to call a payphone in New York City at a certain time, and he'll pick up, and it's it's that's all that's all true the stuff you hear about bill murray and this is the one where um the rookie who's the character you're playing was played by a guy i worked with there at ryan french they used as the model for for the rookie uh and so every time i play that game it's so weird it's weird to play as your friend in a video game that was that was a first (laughs) for me yeah i i I remember i streamed it on, on like uh the first time i think one of the first times i started streaming i was still in my bedroom and I just played six hours straight. Like, it's just, yeah. it's really charming. Like, I, I still don't know how much I love the gameplay. Yeah. Because you just, it, I think it's just because there's so much banter and Ghostbusters stuff in between. You just don't do play a lot. They just don't make games like that anymore either. Like, just straight up action adventure story based games, you know? And when they do, it's like an Uncharted big event level fucking 30 hour game or whatever whereas this i want to say all the way through it's maybe 12 to 15 hours for the campaign like maybe yeah i think i last played through this uh when i was recovering from salmonella a few years back and like this and half-life 2 kind of defined that recovery period but uh but yeah it was uh when it was wendy's they're not a sponsor we can say that yeah exactly no it was wendy's Mm. it was a a grilled chicken sandwich it was fine If they do want to sponsor us, that spicy chicken sandwich is delicious. No. Well, if, it's <laughs> fine if it's fried, probably. It is fried. That all is right. a fried. All right, all right. Yeah. Because I'm at a fast grilled. food joint. Yeah. Why would I do grilled chicken at a fast food joint? That's ridiculous. Yeah. I good, said the same thing to him back in the day. <laughs> you were right. You were right. I was wrong. Last game, um, we brought it up last week, but I got a chance to play more of it. And I even, I think I texted you guys over the weekend. Play What the Golf. If you have Apple Arcade... You need to play that game. That might be the funniest game of the year and maybe one of the funniest games I've ever played. Wow. Like I I think I texted you guys a joke. It's just such a throwaway stupid joke, but there's a level so so part of the game's charm is it does a lot of unexpected stuff for you. You think it's just going to be okay, I'm going to pull my finger back on the screen and then it'll shoot the ball and they keep like 
they keep changing it up, and so it defies your expectations. Yeah. But one of the levels, you're doing this with a soccer ball, and you're trying to kick a soccer ball past kids into a soccer net. And then when you finally do, like every, after every level, it just has like a, a message tailored to that level instead of just saying, oh, goal or whatever. It just says stupid kids, and then it goes immediately on to the next level. And I, I could not stop laughing at that. I had to like text that to you guys. I'm like, just play this, play mm-hmm. through the tutorial and up to this level, and the that's all you got to play. called it a golf game for people who hate golf. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Wow, they got well, me. When you, when you pull back your finger and instead of the ball, the golfer goes flying toward the hole. Like, okay, yes. that's pretty cool. Okay, now. I didn't want to spoil this that. something but special. Yes, it does a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's we. I think it was uh, Leif last week was saying it channels Donut County a lot, and I can, I can definitely see, that. see yeah. that. Yeah, like it's very fun. And again, if you if you've done the Apple Arcade like trial subscription thing, it's uh, it's definitely worth that. So yeah, check it out. What the golf is is one of the funniest games of the year. Mm-hmm. No, I just re I just re-upped my shutter subscription. We'll have to see. <laughs> it's Halloween, October rules. Uh patreon.com slash laser time for Elm Street Nightmares. Yes. <laughs> All right, well let's move on to releases compared to like last week's 90 i i know i yeah. felt like we're it's such a letdown after last week i'm like wow there's not much this week what a relief yeah yeah also none of us played code vein so right that was the the anime dark souls right so supposedly, anime yeah. vampire dark souls mm-hmm. okay yeah I, I love dark souls games but uh, i feel like you know with remnant and surge 2 and now that one there's a lot, a lot of them all of a sudden at one time so. mm-hmm. play remnant and I don't say that because I work for the company. I'm still dying to jump back into it. I'm going to fuck around with some more Monster Hunter and Gears 5. But like, it's been my favorite game of the, mm. of the latter six months of the year so far. Remnant, yeah. baby. Well, here's, here's a man that will have plenty of time to play games or a couple a couple people. Um, there's some big shakeups that happened at Sony recently. So the biggest that you guys will probably know the name is Sean Layden. Brett Elston. Uh, oh. <laughs> Sean, Sean Layden, uh, former chairman of Worldwide Studios at Sony, um, just kind of left unexpectedly. So here's the statement that was issued. It was via like a PlayStation Twitter account, which is always weird to me when I see these official announcements coming from Twitter accounts. Um, it's with great emotion that we announced that Worldwide Studios chairman Sean Layden will be departing SIE. Uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, and that's from the official PlayStation Twitter account. His visionary leadership will be greatly missed. We wish him success in the future endeavors. Wow, they future endeavored him. And are deeply grateful for his years of service. Thanks for everything, Sean! Exclamation mark. So... The other one, the second one in Japan, Sony Interactive Japan's Asia's president, um, Atsushi Morita was, he, he retired. And then his successor hasn't been announced, um, but his role as corporate director has already been filled by the deputy president and CFO, Kazuhiko Takeda. Uh, so yeah, both, I mean, two kind of heads of that company within a week of each other, um, are gone, which, I don't know. It's, it's big in the in the video game business world. I, I don't know what it actually means for the games or the players per se. But uh, to me, it's it's very, very big news. Yeah, it's probably way bigger news than any of us could even quantify. But I mean, they're, they're ramping up all their new console plans. Why outs mm. the heads? 
Well, it's, it's, so if you if you're having trouble thinking who Sean Layden is, he's the guy that well when they were doing E3 press conferences, but for the past few, he he was well actually up until last year's I think he wasn't on. Um, he was the guy that would always host the big press conferences at E3. Um, and so yeah, he he's he would always like kind of have his jeans and his sport sport coat going out. But um, yeah, he he'd been at Sony. I want to say for like decades, he'd been the chairman for like a few years, like kind of the second half of the PS4 life cycle, but he'd been at Sony for like 20 years or something like a long time. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, this is after obviously Reggie retired from Nintendo earlier this year. So like a lot of big figureheads of the games industry are, are sort of uh, moving on to do other things. So who knows what that'll mean? Hmm. Uh, some more. So, so maybe this is a result. Uh, maybe one of the shakeup results was uh, PlayStation Now has cut its price in half. Uh, now it matches the price of Microsoft's Game Pass. It's only ten dollars a month. Uh, they do a deal. I want to say it's like sixty bucks a year or something like that. And it used to be like a hundred bucks a year. Yeah, I think those motherfuckers at Xbox automatically took out one more year of Game Pass for me, but not at a cool price. To just today, <laughs> and I was like. Man, fuck you guys. I forgot you do this. The thing with Sony, though, not only did they, they reduce the price to match their competitor, um, they also added in some big games. So now they're bringing God of War, uh, Grand Theft Auto V, Infamous Second Son, and Uncharted 4 uh, to the service. Here's what's weird, though. Those games, they already said they're only going to be playable until January 2nd, 2020. So it's like, huh. okay, so you went down in price to match your competitor. That's good. But on Game Pass, all the first party stuff is always playable and doesn't phase out, or at least it hasn't phased out yet. <laughs> so that's bad. Like, why would you? I, I get why Grand Theft Auto you can't do because that's not they don't own that. You know that that that's Rockstar. Yeah. But but also the other ones, PlayStation Now is streaming, right? It's not downloads. It is. It's their streaming offering. You're yeah, right. that's what I wanted yeah. to know because this, this is I haven't reevaluated my take on PS Now in forever just because like. I don't know that I want to stream games like that. And I don't remember, I just, I think I'm also leaning on the reviews I read when that system first came out, or that, that service first came out, which was mm. pretty, like, the service was pretty terrible, but they said the games were pretty playable. Yeah, I mean, the technology has to have only have gotten better. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. Not. Okay. Uh, I, I, I mean, I know, I, I know they just bought a new service that would probably be incorporated in the PS5 era. But mm. uh, but I don't know. Depending, because remember, we were in San Francisco and we couldn't up our internet. There was no way. Like we had, we would have to lie and uh, say we owned the building. But there was like, for people in one of the biggest cities in the country, we couldn't use this service at all. Yeah, it, yeah, it was unusable. And 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 I I've, I've been dying to see PlayStation's shot at uh, Game Pass. I really have because now that Apple yeah. Arcade is in the mix, like we, there has to be a reaction to. Sony and of course Nintendo won't respond for another ten years, but they will in ten years. Yeah, well, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're they're after that. I mean, they they made it clear with their kind of how their online play that online is still not the focus. Um, what's interesting to me though is yeah, this feels even though Apple Arcade launched, um, this they still don't feel like they're competing with Sony and Microsoft and, and what they're doing. No, it's but, more but they are creating the expectation for anybody who plays games and buys the consoles that there be some kind of subscription service. Well, what, I think, Mike, Mike, the question I would have is what does this mean for Stadia, which 
they have not really announced the games that are it's coming shocking. with their premium level and all that stuff. So it's shocking. It's the biggest. It's the biggest amount of evidence I've seen that they're not taking this seriously. Mm. Well, you know who is though is Microsoft. So it's Mike, not to be outdone. They came back this week with some pretty big stuff coming to Game Pass that they announced. So um, Obsidian's game, The Outer Worlds, is going to be on Game Pass when it launches on the twenty fifth of this month. So wow. that's huge. Outer Wilds and Outer Worlds. Yeah, that's not going to be confusing at all, especially no. in especially if both make it into our game of the year discussions um and then to kind of prep you for that if you want to play an obsidian game they're also uh bringing fallout new vegas as a backwards compatible title fallout to the new vegas yes yes that mambo uh, number five <laughs> uh, <laughs> i thought you were doing some kind of play on a leisure suit larry title like lewd vegas no, like, no, oh yeah no. that, that like, probably was one Lou vegas no i, I got gotcha. you Lou, Lou vega or vega vega um did you know he's german anyway anyway um dishonored 2 is also coming to the service nice, as is nice. World World War Z. Yeah, ukulele. That game's all right, yeah. And Panzer Dragoon Orta wow. is coming. Wow. Yeah. Hitting yeah. where it hurts. Yeah, they're bringing Panzer Dragoon Orta to uh to Game Pass. So So I, w- I was I was mildly upset to be charged for the first time ever at uh Game Pass non-introductory rates. <laughs> mm. And they charged me one hundred and twenty dollars for a year. Did you get ultimate? You must. That must be the annual. For no, ultimate. I didn't. I think I still pay for uh, fucking live. Wow. Oh well, then you. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. You should do the annual. I, I was going to. I just didn't know when they were going to re up it, and I was yeah. trying to leave. And because I, I don't want to think about how much I'm paying annually, but I'm doing. I think ultimate's fifteen a month. But I, I've been using the PC stuff in the cross save. It's awesome. Like if you have yeah, a gaming PC, was, well, that's the thing. I was I was gonna get mad, but then like I basically got a deluxe copy of Gears of War Five. I didn't pay for. Yeah, yeah, and you got you got the Crackdown Three earlier this year. You got Forza Horizon Four last year and into this year. So it's it's dude. It's I mean we keep touting Xbox Game Pass and we talk about like they're not a sponsor. We would love for them to be a sponsor, but they're not. It's just like it's amazing that this is. That service is really good. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, to be honest. I'm like, how can this stay this good for this long? And, and once again, with the Outer Worlds, if if you really hate the Epic Store that much, buy an Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> buy an Xbox. All the exclusives are free. So speaking of the other shoe dropping, uh, there was – so last week was this big you know, announcement week for everything The Last of Us 2. Um, they immediately kind of followed up that news. It was right after we recorded with kind of a bad announcement about the game where um, basically uh, Naughty Dog confirmed that there will be no multiplayer component of The Last of Us 2. Um, no factions? Well, so that's the thing is they, there's something I think they've been talking about for a long time. But they finally they, they came out with an official statement, and this was another tweet. Uh, we wanted to address multiplayer in The Last of Us Part Two, As we've stated, the single-player campaign is far and away the most ambitious project Naughty Dog has ever undertaken. Likewise, as development began on the evolution of the factions mode from The Last of Us Part One, the vision of the team grew beyond an additional mode that could be included with our enormous single-player campaign. Wanting to support both visions, we made the difficult choice that The Last of Us Part Two would not include an online mode. However, you'll eventually experience the fruits of our team's on- online ambition, but not as part of Last of Us 2. When and where it will be realized is still to be determined, but rest assured, we are as big a fan of factions as the rest of our community and are excited to share more when it's ready. Yeah, I saw a thing recently that, like, it's still going strong in the original game. Weird. Yeah. For me, normally, it's like... Losing a big motor, you know, would be cause for like, oh, that's a bummer. But 
I'm only there for for the single player stuff in The Last of Us 2. So I'm like, that's fine. It's, it's like I'm dealing with loss that I never really knew what I was missing. I, so. Yeah, I do not care. I like that this says that um, with a first party game, your goal is to move hardware. You do not need to consider yourself a normal game. And therefore, you do not need to add multiplayer to something that nobody expected multiplayer from in order to compete. And I, I don't... I. I if you say people are still playing factions, I've never met a human being who plays factions. Yeah. Or whatever the fuck the multiplayer is in Last of Us. There's a guy I work with that only plays Uncharted 4 multiplayer every day. That's like his thing that wow. he winds down with every day. And I'm like, and it's still, I mean, there's people playing with them every day. It has an online community, but there's just like, yeah, it's this core group of people still playing it. Yeah, after, after a game like God of War and Spider-Man, like, yeah, I don't need multiplayer at all. At all. Just make new versions of this every five years. I'll be very happy. Yeah. Yeah. A little rumor across the rumor mill that uh, I like. Um, there might be a new Mafia game in the works if a trademark filing by 2K is anything to be believed. Um, it looks like they're trademarking Mafia 4 as well as remaster one and two versions which uh that could be kind of cool although i don't feel like people fondly remember mafia one and two that much like they were isn't that the one where you if you ran a traffic light you got pulled over by the cops and yeah. it became it was, really it laborious. was very realistic and you were driving basically model t's so it was also mm. pretty slow yeah whereas three three was kick-ass mm -hmm. three three was the big open world game that i wish we could find top fives to talk about it more because three was cool dude yeah. like it just and yeah. two was if i remember right like a pretty good cover shooter that happened to be set in a very empty open world that wasn't much fun to mm. explore yeah so hopefully maybe they're not just remasters maybe they're kind of remakes where they fix some of those complaints people had who knows mm -hmm. I'd, I'd play a remaster of the first game sure that's yeah. cool yeah i'd try it out uh and that is all the news that is fit to play well, let's move on to the community segment, which as always is segmenting our, our community. community. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what is a famous game series you would want to play an FMV version of? Uh, on VigigameApocalypse.com, Laser Time Rules was the first to answer, saying an FMV-style Sonic the Hedgehog game with the 2020 movie Sonic. Just do it. It worked for Mega Man. It's true. It, it, it would piss off what's left of Sonic fans, but the game would be glorious like the highly acclaimed trailer for the movie. We could also license Gangsta's Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait. Yeah. That's going to be the best movie of the year. I was at my buddy's comic store, and I picked up... I never knew there was a comic book from Archie Comics called Sonic Kids. And if you want to talk wasted, worthless Sonic side characters, <laughs> I'd never seen any of these before. Mm. There were dozens of them. Holy Lord. Sonic babies. So this is outside of the Sonic comic that's like one of the longest running comics out there. Oh, man. Well, didn't, didn't well, they... I think uh, in the same they, world. They switched to a new publisher recently for the yeah, Sonic comics, so. and it basically torpedoed the whole Archie universe that they'd spent like 20 years developing. Yes, and allowing to them to define the origins of Sonic. Spoiler, he was brown and his mm -hmm. shoes exploded. God damn it. I remember when that was in like a fucking Game Pro way back in the day. Yeah. And Dr. Kintabor, O.V. Kintabor, made him run on a treadmill until his shoes exploded and the accident turned O.V. Kintabor into Ivo Robotnik. <laughs> okay, I think you're revealing plot points. That's mm -hmm. that's Jim Carrey's origin for the new movie. Yep, yep, yep. 
Trick the TM says, I want an FMV Resident Evil game, much like the opening of the original. Cheesy acting and all. I just want to see real people trying to pull off that dialogue in real life. What you want to see is a Resident Evil game that, like, it starts with that original opening, and then that's just the game. That continues. Yes. That would actually be kind of great. I feel like probably in some early concepts, that was what Resident Evil was going to be. Until someone was like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike Miley says, so I'm going to break with famous video game series and instead go with something that's more uh, famous in the tabletop space. And I would say Call of Cthulhu FMB game. I'm not exactly sure how it would work. <laughs> Maybe it would be something uh, I like to use to, uh, two Netflix properties. If uh, what Marianne and was like uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which I still haven't watched. But congrats on your end. Same. Same. Jason Cromer says, River City Ransom. I want to see a bunch of West Side Story-esque street gangs duking it out on definitely American and not Japanese at all city streets. I want to see someone get punched in the face and yell the word BARF and then immediately (laughs) disappear into a bunch of loose change on the ground. I need this in my life. Well, have you seen the Scott Pilgrim movie? It's great. (laughs) I, uh, for some reason, that just bled into my Spotify, the Scott Pilgrim movie soundtrack, which is astounding. You know wow. how many soundtracks that movie has? Not See, enough. I was thinking of a different Scott. I thought you were going to talk about the Scott Wolf uh, vehicle, the Double Dragon movie, which oh. would be the FMV oh, version. Oh, I never miss a moment to bring that up. But yeah, Scott <laughs> Pilgrim has like three soundtracks. They have uh, the Beck stuff, the music from the movie, and mm-hmm. 8-bit versions of all the music from the movie. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's I think crazy. I've Fucking crazy. And shout out to River City Girls. I'm still listening yes. to that soundtrack. And, it's amazing. And you should be playing the game, too. It's amazing. I, I have it for my trip. All right. Nice. And Tony T says, wow, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I feel like this might be what Kojima was going for all along. Only possible with modern uh, media technology. Uh, otherwise, you might need a CD binder to hold all the discs. <laughs> might look ridiculous uh, like this ridiculous fan film I made last winter. Which we will not play here, but if you want to go watch that, feel free to check out the official Laser Time Facebook community where he left that in the comments. Nice. Uh, well, on Twitter, Simon Belfunkel at BaldManApe says, uh, Mega Man, the terrible colored duct tape based costumes and weapons emulated <laughs> by throwing sculpted foam at people and using fans would be awesome. Personally, I'd look forward to seeing a pair of scissors lightly tossed at someone by a stagehand from off screen. <laughs> That would be great. Yes, please. You you know it would just look like that Tron guy, the early internet uh-huh, Tron guy yeah. memes. Complete with the, the moose knuckle. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that. How could you? <laughs> I blocked it out, clearly. Yeah. yeah. But finally, we have a uh, video response from Full Install, hey, who says... Hey, back. Hey, VGA, it's Tom here from YouTube channel Full Install. Uh, it's been a minute, but your latest question's so bizarre, I felt like I had to answer... What game would we want made into a full motion video game? I'm not sure why you'd want to do that, but if you're going to do it, I think you need to go full cheese ahead. I want to see them do Baldur's Gate as a full motion video game with the worst acting you can find, the worst <laughs> the worst costumes you can find, and film it all on a drone so you can keep the isometric angle. Um, because then it's just like spying on cosplayers in the woods, isn't it? But from a vantage point, a little bit like you're hidden, hidden up a tree. Which, let's be honest, if we are spying on cosplayers in the woods, you're going to be hiding up a tree. <laughs> Just make sure to watch out for them uh, elven archers and their their nerf guns, because they can pack a punch if they hit you in the eyeball. <laughs> All right, guys, catch you next time. Nice. I like that he went the extra mile and modeled his screen to look like the Sega CD version of Night Trap, with the different rooms that you can select. 
Nice. I love it. Mm. I love it. So, new question of the week. Uh, since we're starting the month of Spooptober, and since we've had a, a very arcade-focused episode, what's your scariest arcade experience? Maybe don't dig too deep on this one, but uh, what's a scary arcade experience you've had? Uh, I'm going to say... I still think it's kind of scary in retrospect that there was that uh, adult guy with a mustache in Chuck E. Cheese when I went in and tried to play uh, POW, Prisoners of War, next to him. And he, like, yelled at me and was like, What the fuck? I'm not playing doubles! And uh, I, th- I think he had, like, just pumped a bunch of quarters, or, like a bunch of tokens into the machine ahead of time that he was going to play through with. And so I was just like... Use, like, oh, free continue, free continue, free continue. And and playing, and then, like, when we finished the game, he was like, oh, man, I've only got, like, 40 credits left? What the fuck? I don't <laughs> think I ever realized when you told that story before this was a grown man yes, saying this yes, to you. Yes, 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 this was a grown man. I, I remember him clearly. He had a... He had a Kind of not quite mullety, but long-ish blonde hair, a mustache, and a denim jacket. He was probably somewhere in his 20s, but he was a creep hanging out in the Chuck E. Cheese in the late 80s. There are a few things creepier than a blonde dude's mustache, I have yeah, to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, old blonde dudes, but yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had a roommate once that was like, he's like, hey, man, what do you think of my mustache? And I literally, without pause, I was like, what mustache? I could not see his mustache. He's like, dude, I've been growing this for like months. And I got in close. I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. Ah, I just thought your lip was had a weird reflection over it. Yeah, you're good. Um... <laughs> Wow, yeah, that story got way scarier now that you say it was a full-grown man. Right. But yeah, it's awesome that you were just like, "Fuck that!" No, I, I was probably all these like eleven or twelve. <laughs> yeah, I think some of my, you know, the scariest moments I had in our kids were probably just me getting intimidated by big teenagers at the time. Mm. They, they were terrifying and frightening. But um, that's not specific enough. So I will. I've told this story on a show before. Um, I, w- I was at my local Straw Hat Pizza growing up, mm. and they hadn't. It was that all was kind of my Straw local. Hat Pirates. <laughs> they, <laughs> um, they they had like a little arcade game room there and I was there with my buddies and we'd all ridden our skateboards and I, I want to say this is either my Christian Hasoy model or my Tony Hawk deck can't remember which but it was leaned up against the wall behind the arcade machines because that's where we would put them and I went uh, I think it was probably behind the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles machine or something like that and I went to play another game and came back and my skateboard was gone and so I experienced the feeling of loss but also that dread that comes over you and the feeling of utter violation Mm -hmm. when something is stolen from you I don't know if anyone you know if you've ever experienced like yeah your car getting broken into there's this weird like it's got to be like instinct, you know, like like you know, thousands and thousands of years of evolution. But you get this weird dread, and just you feel completely violated when someone steals from you. And it's like it's it, it does elicit a similar response to fear. You're just like, what? The? Yeah, it was just well, the there's worst. There's also feeling. just that that feeling of like someone I don't know chose to fuck with me for no right. known reason. I didn't right. know anything to them. It's like being on the internet every day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was I don't know it's really scary, but it was just like it was it was scary like coming back and being like wait, where that that panic feeling and then you know sometimes you get that panic feeling like oh where did I put my bike? Oh, that's where I put my bike or that's where I parked my car or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like no, this time it was like oh no, no, that skateboard's actually fucking gone and someone just ripped it from right from underneath your nose, you know. So. What an asshole. Board thieves yeah. get beat. Don't you read Thrasher? Fuck you. Yes. And I encourage anyone like 
again, trying to discuss this topic with Adam that like uh, truly scary games sort of couldn't exist because they wouldn't make money. Uh, but if you were scared by actual gameplay, but I, still the scariest memory, it's going to sound lame, but it, but it did happen. Just like there was a time when Chuck E. Cheese was like a legit arcade. They they sort of changed yeah. what kind of games they added in there, and they're all pretty family friendly from companies you you and I have never heard of. But I th- yeah, there was a time you could go in there and like the, you could buy like a, a de- like low priced forty tokens and shit. I remember mm-hmm. I would still go in my twenties because to- like you get coupons in your parents' newspaper, and yeah. you know th- then they have those singing robots, and uh, for some reason you know there's like Munch, he's the purple gorilla looking guy, and the the bird everyone wants to fuck her. Sure. Um, and <laughs> and then Chucky's on his own stage. So for like two years at our local Chuck E. Cheese, his curtain just didn't close. So Ugh. like after he was done singing like the knee bones connect to the thigh bone and then boom, Roy Batty for an hour. Like just just looking down at the ground with his eyes open. <laughs> I've seen things no man should see. There, there is some. I mean, Five Nights at Freddy's definitely picked up on this weird. It's not Uncanny Valley, but it's like yeah, this weird off-putting thing about yeah. those robots. Like it's yeah. was it somebody like it went viral on Twitter today that somebody put up like the Leonardo costume from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three for sale for like yeah. ten thousand dollars, and it's like so bad. just fucking rotting latex falling off of foam rubber. <laughs> it looks like a Five Nights at Freddy's. One eyeball is bulging out, and his gums has ever seen. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, <laughs> purple guy's in there somewhere. He's yeah. trapped in the machinery. Yeah. Oh, I've taken the deep dive on YouTube of Five Nights lore. It is a but, scary place. But man, those those animatronics could be so fucking creepy. Like even even when I was a kid and they were fairly new, like there was something unwholesome about like the the way that the king robot moved. You remember the king that was like in the quote unquote adult lounge at Chuck E. Cheese back when I they do had not that have a king. But but I know a lot of people didn't have Elvis cat either. We yeah, did. that that was the king. He was the Elvis. Oh, sorry, cat. yes. Yeah, and, okay. and he was like. Oh. See, I thought you meant like Burger King, like creepy king guy. I'm no, like, no, no, what? no. He was called the king because he was a lion, but he was also dressed as Elvis. Uh, oh yeah, okay, I do remember that. Yeah, guy. and All so right. he would do like an animatronic lounge show, and that was like the part of the the Chuck E. Cheese where kids weren't supposed to go. Like parents or loner adults would just sit in there with like a pitcher of beer because that's where they sold the beer. Exactly, yes. exactly. And probably, like probably in some areas, that's where they smoked. Yep, probably. Probably, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I think that they they sort of made over Chuck E. Cheese and turned it into uh, less of an arcade and more of just like a family fun center. Uh, because of experiences like mine with the POW guy. Well, most yeah, most of the arcade machines in there now give you tickets, like Adam was talking about earlier. Yeah. They're they're almost all prize redemption. Yeah, machines. and now yeah. because because teenagers came in and were shoving around the little kids that the place was built for, and they ruined it. Remember, there were like tiers of Chuck E. Cheese's growing up. Like I I had like there was a big one near me that had the full playground where it had like. Had like this like swing thing you could sit in, and or it, it had like the mouse. It was like a big mouse maze that you yeah. like crawl up the tubes and stuff. I went in the mouse maze and I got my hands stomped on by some other kid while there I was go. crawling around. That's terrifying. Yeah. There you go. And mine even had that one room. It was like the strobe room where you it, it, you're just like sitting there like dancing around and looking like psychedelic sixties trip it's like because altered states babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was it was so sad. Like as the Chuck E. Cheese franchise like began to wane, it was like. 
those parts would get closed off of the Chuck E. Cheese, and it just got smaller. And oh, now it's just the arcade and the pizza part. Oh, now it's it's even smaller arcade. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah, it's not the same. Well, yeah, we, I always I love saying that just because like if you ever been in a Ross. The Ross, uh, our Chucky, our two-story Chucky e. Cheese was replaced by a Ross, and my yeah. memories are all super vague. And then it moved in next to like a fucking church and a pool hall, and it's it's fine. It's just it it wasn't the the other thing was just like it was a it was like the biggest arcade in town with a bunch of physical uh, playground shit and robots everywhere. But it I want to awesome. know. Are we just viewing this through like the rose tinted color, you know, the glasses of nostalgia, or was it always a shithole and we just didn't know it because we were little kids? I wish someone would would talk more smartly about this, but like I recently went back to the pool I grew up swimming in as the YMCA as a little kid, and just like I think the the idea if you just think of your body as a camera and you lower your camera three feet and <laughs> yes, and you're also like. Everything is sort of new to you. Everything looks so much larger and vivid and terrifying. Uh, and I think that's part of it, just being it, like viewing this from a little body. Because when you go back to see the pool, it's like, it looks so small now. It's like it, it's the same size. It's just you're bigger. Uh, and you're seeing it from your. It's differently. It's a different camera angle. Wow, and- I, I feel like we're in that movie Indian Summer from the early '90s, where literally Kevin Pollak gives that speech, where he's like, the whole movie, he just goes, he goes, I just remember everything was bigger, so much bigger, and then finally, like someone is like, it's because you're bigger now, and you were small back then, and everything seemed huge. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's the it's the mental thing too, where like every every new stimuli is like crazy new, and you're processing it, but like. But yeah, it's just it's just the idea that like this this place seemed too big to even exist in real life in my memory. Mm. But uh, it probably wasn't. I've been in that Ross since. It's it's big. Yeah, where else do you come for the hot Indian summer takes, folks? Damn right, VGA baby. <laughs> that movie's good. Go watch that movie. Fucking yeah, Bill Paxton's in that movie. Alan Arkin's in that movie. It's October. Uh, it's gonna have to wait. Yeah. All right. Well, what is a scary or spooky or just plain creepy experience you've had in an arcade? Let us know. Go to videogameapocalypse.com and answer under the comments for episode 336. Alternately, you can go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or just hit us up on Twitter at VGApocalypse. So that's been our show. Uh, let's go out with some plugs. Uh, Chris. Padukin, baby. Padukin should be hitting sometime, hopefully this week. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm about to leave on a plane to leave the country. But a uh, new episode of Elm Street Nightmare talking about Child's Play 2. You brought up Return of the Dead. And there's a little Return of the Dead connection in this episode. Ooh. From something I looked into. It's it's dumb. It's not something no one's discovered. And, uh uh, and uh, Laser Time this week talking about uh, corpsing on SNL. Woo-hoo. SNL is back. I want to say we recorded it before. Uh, AD Bryant had one of the biggest cra- I said she rarely ever breaks. She had one of the biggest breaks in history on SNL this week because a costume change person did not know they were on camera and just ran out in the middle of a sketch <laughs> to fix her hair. It, it, it is one of the silliest Ooh. things I've ever seen. Oh and we are on, yeah, with a special guest that we'll just tease. We don't want to give it away, but uh, you, uh, if you've been listening to Laser Time Network a while, you might want to tune into this one. Hmm. Shines like yes. a diamond. Yes. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> it'll be up by now. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and, and check out Lizzie's on bonus time this week. So you get two bonus shows as Ooh. a patron. Check them out. <laughs> Padukin. Padukin is... Yeah. 
hopefully hitting. Uh, it'll it'll hit around Wednesday every other week. Pronounce but, it correctly, yeah, it, please. It's Padukan. Padukan. Deep dive into uh, arcade gaming stuff by so, like again. I, I'm I'm a guy who feel like I've learned almost everything about games sometimes. I know that's not true, but like yeah, some of this stuff is like super eye opening and. Yeah, Adam, Adam, and, and Rob, and, um, and and all those guys have like a weird intimacy with games that, like, I think even us we kind of lack uh, just from not having to shepherd them like children. Yeah, so that'll be up soon, and when it will, you can go. Su- will you be able to subscribe to Padukin? Sure, you can. Sure, you can. But we'll <laughs> see because, like, I don't know if I'm gonna be around to build all that shit. But we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> all right, and then yeah, you know, I don't, I don't do this a lot, but um, so we don't have. A huge advertising budget. In fact, we don't have an advertising budget for our show. So the way people hear about this is people like you, listeners like you, uh, telling your friends. So please do spread the word about Vid- Game Apocalypse. Uh, tell people, hey, I listen to this cool video game-centric podcast every Friday. So uh, check it out. It's completely free. Um, if you're not already, I don't know why you wouldn't be, but if you're not already, please subscribe to the show in mm-hmm. your podcast app of choice. Uh, and then go write a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, five stars only, please. That always does help yep. spread the word and kind of surface us in the algorithms and all that so that that actually does more than you think so please do go check us out there and then head over to patreon.com slash laser time the reviews can just be like oh i heard about this vaginal cyclops show from a friend i guess it's okay as long as you as long as it's five stars that's just right leave yeah. five stars you can call us whatever the fuck you want but <laughs> absolutely absolutely i don't i feel like we don't want people to test that theory but yes yeah, five yeah, stars yeah. please mm-hmm. and then head on over to the twitter and check me out at maddie c allen and then if you're into wrestling uh go ahead and follow at cheap Popcast, and you will be up to date when we do our next wrestling show uh which is actually coming up quite soon here wrestling is my favorite character from dragon lance mm-hmm. uh anyway as always you can follow the show on twitter at VG Apocalypse, or me personally, at Wikiparas. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. I think I think she's like he's Polly. I'm like I'm like so, and like, like what? Like, what I'm I Chris. Care? What does that matter? <laughs> <laughs>